Hey, it's Gary and Shannon. You're about to embark on yet another great adventure with the Gary and Shannon Show. It's going on with our podcast. Mm-hmm. Don't forget to share it as well. Get it? It's adventure music. Also, share it on Facebook, Twitter, wherever you have that opportunity, and tell a friend about what you're listening to when you listen to the Gary and Shannon Show. You can't do whatever it is you're doing here. You need to. Dan and Farron. What a great name. I feel like this is my new favorite show. Gary and Shannon. You say that about every show. <laughs> this is fun. Realize that Bill Cosby still has a. Uh, I guess February was the last one. He referred to a death in the family. I recommend that you delete that Twitter account, Mr. Cosby. <laughs> Do not write things on Twitter. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. David Arquette yeah. is here today in the form of Brian Suits. Hey, we uh, total G we'll soon, or not so soon at all. Oh, neener, neener. Uh, Mattis said, "You know, I, I'm." I'm pretty sure you said during the campaign that you weren't going to telegraph your punches. So that that looks like the junior high pullback. <laughs> I can't wait to get uh, that's going. We're at the bottom of the hour. We're going to talk more about that uh, next hour. Justin Warsham's going to come in, uh, host of the tag that everybody puts on it of a uh, hundred thousand or four hundred, whatever it is. We'll get into the latest numbers. Plus, next hour we're going to get into the governor's race once again. A new poll is out. Uh, Gavin Newsom is still in the lead, but a surprising second place, perhaps. And Eric Garcetta about his comparison. Uh, we'll do Swamp Watch at 1230, talk about D.C. Mark Saltzman's going to join us in the 1 o'clock hour with some tech talk and a bunch of other stuff, of course, as we go through. But first, before we get into the Cosby trial stuff, Handel is taking calls right now off the air for Handel on the hijinks while you're on hold. And then Handel will solve all of your legal problems. 877-520-1150. That's 877-520-1150. Eleven fifty. There, there's a really dark part of me that whether there's going to be things like I ain't saying nothing, but I don't want to be around the Damascus ninety nine. We're going radio silence for a few hours or whatever, and that will be their final day in I, the White House staff. <laughs> they will be spending time with their family. Right, after. Mesro and his hair helmet have been uh, cross examining her, but she on direct questioning talked about. How she first met Bill Cosby way back in the early 80s. I think she was 27 years old when she says he offered to fly her up to Lake Tahoe. He complained at one point of while they were at dinner, she complained about menstrual cramps. So they're they're at dinner. Mr. Cosby, I'm a supermodel, but I have cramps. But I have cramps. And he says, hey, I got a pill for that. And gives her a pill. And she says she's drowsy. He says something like, I'm America's dad. You're supposed to be. Right. (laughs) Uh, and uh, is it eight minutes already? He's yeah, he's checking his, his watch the entire time. The cab's not here, and, and she has no motor skill. I, you know, all of her motor functions are gone, so she can't come in. And, and did he ask, "Can you hold my beer?" He said he got on. She said he got on top of espresso and bo. At one point, she said uh, she woke up the next morning, noticed some. Uh, gender fluid between her legs and said that she felt vaginal pain. Here's the thing. Thomas Mesero, Cosby's attorney, referenced this encounter. The quote from the book, Cosby slammed the door in her face. She went back to her room, wondered why she was in Tahoe, took two quaaludes, had a drink, and then went to. So Thomas Mesero says, so what are we supposed to do? Are we supposed to believe you because you wrote in your buzz 
I wasn't under oath when I wrote that book. True. And also, no one wants to be the first one to kick a brick out of the wall. You know, we, we saw that with Weinstein, that, uh, just naming names and, and naming acts. So she's writing her life story, and he's not the centerpiece of it. He's just a chapter. Now, the thing is that uh, Thomas Mesro then says, so you lied to get a paycheck. And she says, I'm not a liar, sir. Don't call me a liar. Mesro suggested she was motivated to distort the facts of what was a fun evening, which even, I guess, from her book, described it as a fun evening. She heard about a possible $100 million windfall from Cosby, supposedly. Um, there are other people who were uh, who have been on the stand. And remember, the... the He's not being tried for whatever happened with Janice Dickinson. He's not being tried for whatever happened uh, with Ms. Baker Kinney, who testified, Janice Baker Kinney, who testified yesterday. These are the five women, or these are two of the five women, who have specifically only has to do with Andrea Constant. And this is them trying this for a second time after the mistrial. And Wayne Resnick was pointing out absolutely correctly this morning who is the object. There's evidence that she stated, you know, loudly and publicly that there would be a payday in it. She did get 3.9 million or 3.6 million. Testimonies being allowed in this trial wasn't even allowed in the last one that ended in a mistrial. Where she, could, even if there's this pattern of behavior, the fact that she was heard saying that, and and obviously in the court of public opinion, he's been guilty now for two years. However, in the in the work release of public opinion or the prison of public opinion. Uh, Someone somewhere will pay him money to sit on a stage and make jokes. So he'll, he'll be on he'll be on the parole of public opinion, which is bizarre because there are still yeah. people who will buy tickets. They'll spend seventy five bucks a seat to sit and watch this guy. There, uh, remember you know, a year ago he was making it part of the stand up. Yeah, which now he sits down. Uh, I I grew up listening to Cosby albums. My parents had albums. Yeah. Bill Cosby himself and Bill Cosby Chickenheart. I mean, all of those, I, I would listen to them endlessly. And in fact, it was just a few years ago that we took a road trip with the kids and downloaded a bunch of Cosby stuff and listened to it with the kids because we thought, this guy is great. Dork. I'm sorry, what? And, and now. Tolerating it. No, they didn't, we even there have, yet? they didn't even have devices. Are we, is he going to be funny yet? The whole is there a punchline yet? And then is there a punchline in chair? <laughs> Uh, but I'm just heartbroken. They vocalize the thing with the deal. But, and, I mean, I watched the Fat Albert show as a kid. In its student body vice president, um, the majority of my speech to my classmates. Hoffman, 88. <laughs> the majority of my speech was that dentist uh, oh, bit from. Oh, my God. <laughs> so you couldn't just win on the issues. The bar was low. <laughs> Let's just say the bar was uh, was pretty low. Um, uh, it, but so, yeah, I, I mean, I get it. There was a generation of people who, you know, who who, who dug him and everything. But I, I just I never clicked with the Cosby comedy. And also, I watched Cosby, the show. Yeah. Terrific show. It was really, really a terrific show. And the first season was almost entirely based in his comedy. Uh, yeah, as it turns out. But the guy could still, he'll sell tickets. He'll be found not guilty, and he, he will sell tickets. He'll, miraculously, his vision will return. I know. <laughs> oh, now he can <laughs> no, see. No, it's a miracle. Uh, so anyway, we'll keep an eye on Janice Dickinson's testimony. For folks, the prosecutor has to be 12 and 0. Uh, he has to be 12 and 0 to find him guilty. Uh, the other story, well, by the way, we'll get into some of the, this is, by the way, an all-sex super segment because there's pretty smile. That's coming up in just a few minutes. Here in L.A. County, we found out that the, we found out about James Toback that they were not going to prosecute on the five cases that they were looking at uh, for the director who was the khaki spackler. In this case, they're saying that's years old. And 
it doesn't appear that this is the case that they're looking at because it would be way past the statute of limitations. And Toback was like a 99% uh, woman woman molester. Yes. So this is like the what? Back when the allegations were new, back in uh, the fall, he was beyond horrified to hear. I thought that happened, see, because you transitioned from Toback to Spacey yeah. without a New York? I thought it was when he was in theater in New York. Well, the why is L.A. County Spacey that that Kevin Spacey sexually assaulted um, the TV anchor? Remember the TV anchor's son? Yes, that was 2016. That was just a few years ago. So yeah. if that if that was an L.A. thing, that may be the case that they're looking at. They just yeah. haven't gotten specific about which it is that they're looking into. Kaiser Soze. This is the, here's the thing. That's just the one case in here in London. They have 20 allegations of inappropriate behavior that are, they are investigating some of them, but they haven't said how many of those. And, and their bar, artistic head of this theater that he endowed, uh, the Shakespearean Theater uh, in, in Britain, and, and a, a raft of young. He's never, the guy can't work again. Kaiser, he probably, here's the thing, he will. He, not this year, and maybe not next year, but. That really jumps out on a resume. So he, so he may not uh, overcome that, but uh, that want. Uh, oh, I just had his ex. His warrant, first of all, is criminal flight. Then it's raping the fourteen-year-old with seventies or eighties. Yeah, I mean, there was a time when you, you would indulge, uh, you know, a, a great artist, and there'd be rumors about Oscar Wilde, you know, or, or whatever. <laughs> but then, but then they turned out to be absolutely true. But, but yeah, with Roman Polanski, look. You know, maybe in 1975, uh, if he hadn't fled the country, it might have... Part of the allure of who Roman Polanski is now is because of that all of the background stuff. Yeah. As dirty and nasty as it is, the fact that he's got that baggage, I think... Paraphrase Ricky Chervis. Say what you will about Hitler. That being said, <laughs> can we all agree that Chinatown is one of the top five films ever made? Well, yeah. That's, and that's why I think that that's... I mean, that, Monica... You have never seen, seen it. Yeah. <sighs> Saw that coming. I was totally going to stay out of it er- until he... Ermer Gerd. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, uh, how about this? My, my, my wife has only seen it from like walking in the living room halfway through it as I'm watching it. And she's even she thinks even the half of the movie that she's seen, she thinks is great. She's blown away. No, it's, I, it's not only is it one of the greatest, if not the greatest Los Angeles movie ever made. It's one of the greatest American movies ever made. It's it's nipping at the heels of The Godfather. Jack Nicholson, Faye Dunaway? Oh, yeah. Okay. One of the greatest lines in any movie of all time ever about L.A., the water commissioner is dead. He's the centerpiece of the murder mystery. And the coroner says, only in L.A., middle of a drought, the water commissioner drowns. It's a great, <laughs> great drop. All right, we'll come back. We'll talk more about the uh, the governor of Missouri who's had some new information in a, uh, a sexual assault case that he's been accused of. But first, $1,000 to give away. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword WIN to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's WIN to 200-200. What do you mean I can't use the bathroom right now? No, not yet. Just a couple seconds here. If you answer, if you win, they'll call you. you got to answer that phone. For, it might be from a number you don't recognize. Your next ch- chance to win looks like uh, about an hour from now. In fact, each hour through our show, every hour through the John and Ken show, and the first hour of the Conway show, you have a chance to win $1,000 an hour. All right. Uh, in Missouri, Governor Eric Greitens, I believe is how you say his name, 
said that it was an entirely consensual relationship. But there was a legislative committee that has released a report that says very different things about his relationship with a former hairdresser. Her very graphic testimony adds some of the details that we hadn't known before about what... I'm sorry. Let me give it just a quick transition so that we know that we're talking about yeah. uh, something else, if you don't mind. Let me um, throw this in there. All right. To Missouri we go. New right. copy. Uh, <laughs> the um, prominent politicians have been asking the governor to step down immediately. Give you an idea. He's 44 years old. He's to go on trial in May on a felony indictment of invasion of privacy because what he was doing supposedly was taking he, – he blindfolded this woman that he was having a physical affair with, sexual affair with. They're both married at the time. And saying that he was going to teach her how to do pull-ups, if you remember, straight from the Jerry Sandusky, I'm going to teach you how to shower th- story, right? He's He blindfolds her, tapes her hands – to some gymnastics rings or the the pull-up bars or whatever it is. Weren't there a series of novels about weirdos like this? Something like this, yes. Uh, and then he takes a picture of her while she's naked and says, "You can't tell anyone about this, or I will spend the or I will uh, send these pictures everywhere and embarrass you." And then, according to the new testimony, forces himself upon her. Uh, the way that they write it up in the uh, uh, at ABC is she was manipulated into a compromising position during an unwanted sexual encounter in his home and told her everyone will know what a little whore you are if she tells anyone and then proceeds to put his part into her face and then make things or get whatever. And by the way, the report that we're talking about reads like Fifty Shades of Grey. I mean, it spares no detail. Um, She goes on to testify to this legislative committee that was doing the investigation and to the police that investigated originally. She went on to testify that about two months later, she did have consensual sex with the guy. And when asked, why in the world would you do that? Her response was, I didn't want him to think I was just, these are his, her words, I didn't want him to think I was just a dirty whore. That's the mentality that this woman was was in because she and he had manipulated her to this point. Con- consenting eight weeks later doesn't absolve. Uh, no, no, it does yeah. not at all. And in fact, this guy has said none of this happened, other than the consensual sex part. He is like I said, he's going on trial in a couple of weeks. Fighting back against all of this, saying yeah. that it never happened, uh, at least not the way she says. Um, a political reporter of the morning consult is uh, texting different Missouri Republicans about this, and he's he's cutting and pasting, you know, uh, he's masking their identities. Um, he says, asked another seniorish Missouri GOP lawmaker to describe the Missouri legislature's Greitens report. And the uh, the answer was all, all caps spelled out with with dashes. F-word, F-worded up. I can't even, I mean, literally, <laughs> I, if people are wondering, I can't spell it. I can say, I can say F, asparagus, broccoli, K-E-D, space, U-P. So that, that is a elected official describing that. So that's, all I can say is if, if you, NSFW, don't read it out loud at work, don't read it in the car, but, but this guy, this is, and you're really underselling it because you're going out that ABC thing. Yeah. I can't, I can't 
uh, I, there, I'd have to replace too many words to, to, to even come some close of to it. Yeah. You can't get through a sentence without starting and stopping yeah. just to be safe. And I just asked, by the way, uh, you know, his background, he, he was a Rhodes Scholar, Oxford guy and all that. Then he joined the Navy to be a Navy SEAL officer. I, I've made an inquiry to, uh, to a certain party that I know, and the, the question simply was, uh, douche or good guy? Brighton's douche or good guy? I think I know the answer, and I, and I believe I've heard it before. I have the I know Ryan I know all about Ryan Zinke too the <laughs> Secretary of the Interior but but uh, but I'll 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 see I'll I'll ask a seal we'll see what 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 we find out we should do a segment like that I know ask a seal all right uh, we're gonna come back and talk about what's going on with the uh, the lack of missiles falling over Syria for some reason we thought it was gonna happen pretty quickly but the president says maybe soon or not so soon at all ever that's coming up. <laughs> Gary and Shannon, Brian Suits filling in today. Justin Warsham is going to join us in the 11 o'clock hour, host of the Dad Podcast. We'll talk about how much money it costs to raise a kid, because I guess you have to feed them. And we'll talk about what great dads we are. You know, that's a great idea. I think this is a good opportunity for us to all pat ourselves on the back. Exactly. Get in a circle and sort of... uh... Well, never mind. Oh, wow. That went in a different direction. Uh, How dare you? That's why we have our transitions today, so that we can get out of those. Change of scenery. Let's go to Syria. President Trump says that an attack on Syria could take place very soon. But wait, to be clear. What do you think he just tweeted? Sit back, relax, and enjoy my tweets. Uh, if you remember on Wednesday, he told Russia to get ready for a missile attack on Syria. Well, today he is not saying that. Today he is saying, uh, because, and it was nice. That was the other adjective. Nice, new, and smart missiles. Nice. Nice missiles. Uh, today it was never said when an attack on Syria would take place. Could be very soon. Or not soon at all! Exclamation point. In any event, the United States, under my administration, has done a great job of ridding the region of ISIS where is our thank you, America? Hey, exclamation point. And clearly, SecDef Mattis went to him and said, I don't know how real estate works, but in war, the element of surprise is priceless, and you're kind of effing that up. So let's, but, you know, to be clear, a year ago when, when we shot the 59 missiles at the worthless airbase, and I, I said this on, on Tactical Tuesday with, with Handel the, the day after it happened, we warned the Russians. We told them beforehand. That's what great allies they are to anyone close to them. We gave them a heads up that we were hitting this particular base. They cleared their people out of it last year. They cleared their people yeah, out. Yeah, just like they did before for the Israelis on Sunday. When the Israelis said, heads up, we're, we're hitting the the, uh, the Say Ace Bay. You know, when the Israelis said, we're hitting this particular base, the Russians got in cars and quietly drove away. They Just like last year. So... I don't, you know, Putin this year saying, well, this year we're shooting back. I don't know if that, uh, if he's lost his uh, his warning privileges or what. But we don't, Putin also knows we don't want to kill Russians in this. And that is a gigantic, you know, bag of snakes. Uh, I heard that Angela Merkel had said Germany is not going to be involved in this. If that's the case, what is the uh, the fast attack ship Scheisengina doing out there in the Mediterranean? Also, the, the frigate Hesse from the German state of Hesse. Uh, is out there as well. Wait, say the name again. 
Scheisengina? I made that up. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know what you just yeah. said? German. Probably. Right? Yes, I, I have a good idea of what I said, but it's also in German, so. Yeah, okay. I believe it. No, I've, I've checked it with German friends. Scheisenarsch. That is, that is, that is, is. a uh, a completely made-up term. It is. Uh, no, it's actually the Scheisekopf. And, 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 but, um, you know, they have one ship that is part of the USS Harry Truman carrier group, and either they don't fire their missiles or they turn around and take their football and go home. Could they? Now, this is Which the, is actually a soccer ball. Here, here's the uh, a question. Could they be there just in terms of defending the carrier group if somebody were to attack them? Yeah, they are part of the air defense uh, team for that. So they would be bad NATO if, if they left. And you know what, by the way, politically in Germany, a lot of Germans are saying, what do you mean we're not going to be involved? The guy's gassing children. Yeah. Do, do you know what today is? At, today at 8.30 uh, Pacific time and then whatever noon Israel, all that is the, the Holocaust memorial today. And this is the day the Germans say they, they don't care enough whether or not someone's gassing kids. I, I'm confused by this. So one of the things that we looked at on Tuesday, I think it was, was the notice to mariners that went out in yeah. the western Mediterranean uh, or eastern Mediterranean, whichever part of it is. Uh, yeah, the eastern eastern okay. Mediterranean. No TAM, notice to airmen and mariners. Uh, so that's still un, in effect, right? It, I mean, it was and, a 72-hour no TAM and it was, and it, it's a day and a half old. So, what else do you look for in terms of indications that uh, stuff's going to happen? I mean, uh, you, one, of, you, one of the clues I heard yesterday, which I never thought of, was keep an eye on James Mattis' schedule. Yeah, and not only him, but a bunch of of his leg humpers and other people who were in the president's sort of war cabinet. They canceled meetings today. Oh, they, they did. They canceled pre-scheduled things. Today and they cleared out their calendar for today and tomorrow. Yeah, because I noticed that the uh, Jim Mattis was scheduled to testify before some committee somewhere in Congress. I think at about <clears> ten o'clock this morning, uh, DC time. Yeah, but I didn't see that he had canceled it. So he's out. He's in a meeting, just a nondescript meeting, probably. Uh, but, but that you mean that was ten a.m. our time? Either a ten a.m. our time or yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, either one of those. The can uh, the, as a planning consideration, do we care whether or not it's. Uh, Friday in Syria when when we had you know, to be dead honest with you after 16 years at war in that part of the world we really don't care about Friday or not Friday being a religious day yeah because Bashar Assad doesn't he's killed plenty of people on Fridays it's 8:39 p.m. In, in Damascus so three and a half hours away from Friday he's killed loads of people on Fridays Fridays is one of his big days because you know where everyone is and he's bombed mosques like nobody's business he bombs Sunni mosques he doesn't bomb Shia or Alawite mosques but the uh, so Friday doesn't mean a hell of a lot to him. So if, if anything, it would be sort of a nod of, of understanding to, to the uh, Islamic world, well, to the Sunni Islamic world. And, and outside of a rogue tweet from the president that's some snickering comment about here it comes, what is the first indication that we're going to see that, that missiles have been launched and are headed into Syria? Uh, probably uh, uh, Russian Russian tweets and Russian activity. Um, and then you're going to see civilians in Lebanon reporting low-flying aircraft, but those are going to be Tomahawk missiles flying over Beirut, getting getting uh, into the mountains to get through uh, into the flat part of Syria. So you're going to just like on Sunday night, they were sending up videos of Israeli cruise missiles. So so they they would do that. No no American aircraft are probably going to break into Syrian airspace because that might trigger a Russian response. But so we'll probably see civilians in Beirut saying something loud just buzzed over my apartment. Do they whistle? No, they. they I can it get you some like audio. An no, it sounds like a little jet. 
Uh, and it was worth noting, I don't know if this was just a coincidence, but the president hosted the Emir of Qatar yeah. uh, at the White House just the other day as well. And that's where our big base is. The, uh, yeah, that's where one of the big base. that's where the uh, the uh, CENTCOM forward is, is in, in Qatar. Uh, the, Navy's, the, the, the Navy base is in Bahrain. Qatar are currently the bad guys in, amongst the Gulf Arab states because they're they're cooperating a lot with the Iranians, but and we don't know where they stand. And and the Emir and his dad, the pre- previous Emir, were, were kind of dirtbags. Uh, but their son went to West Point, so that's nice. <laughs> Why are you winking at me? Stop. Yeah, he was at West Point in a suit and tie for that's his, not the way for you're his son's to go graduation. To... Oh. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about one of the worst bosses you've ever had, and we've. We have both have bad bosses, or I should say we have both had bad boss. Mm, I think everybody has at least one. <laughs> well, I don't know about you guys. I'm not talking in the present tense. Oh, no, no, no. I'm no, only no. in the no, past no. tense. Yes, but we also share that boss in common. I haven't had a bad boss in 10 years, uh, except for that year I spent it across there with Cumulus with those J-holes. <laughs> they, uh, there was a guy in Australia who sued his boss for malicious farting. Like there's another kind. I, yeah, I don't know if there's like a generous kind or a I'm nice a fart kind. elephant. <laughs> he did more than an elephant, that's for sure. All right, we'll come back. Gary and Shannon, Brian Suits in for uh, Shannon today. Do you turn it up? Do you sing along every time you hear that song? Like we did then. Like we did when. Do you close your eyes? Does it make you laugh? Do the memories Gary and Shannon. Brian Suits sitting in today at 12.30 when we get into Swamp Watch. We understand that uh, Mike Pompeo, uh, former director of the CIA, is now being uh, questioned by senators uh, as he has been nominated to take over the Secretary of State position. It's got to be confirmed by the Senate before, in fact, he uh, gets to. And, of course, they're asking him about gay marriage. And Gavin Newsom is watching on company time. Gavin Newsom's on our dime right now, and he's watching C-SPAN, and he's tweeting. Because you know how crucial it is for the director of the CIA to be totally diverse and understanding of all, uh, every and all lifestyle? That's what I'm worried about. Is which flags does he have flying over his, uh, his desk at CIA? Uh, anyway, uh, there's a story out of Australia, a... Um, a $1.8 million negligence case has been retrenched uh, by a retrenched contracts administrator against his former employer has now been rejected. This former employee, David Hingst, says that his supervisor at a place called Construction Engineering Australia repeatedly abused him. Now, it's not the Kevin Spacey, James Toback, Bill Cosby kind of abuse. Not unreasonable work demands. Not even that. He says that David says he would be held down and farted upon. And he claimed that that being held down and farted upon resulted in depression, anxiety, and physical injuries. And rem- That's a lot of pressure. Reminders of a big brother. And, and here's the thing. The unwritten rule amongst men is, and I don't want to sh- pull the curtain back. So no, but I want to. Monica, I- take your headphones off. No, not at all. I love hearing The dollars. unwritten rule amongst men is you, you do it in front of each other and you laugh. No one's supposed to be. <laughs> if you're over offended, there's something wrong with you. Right. And, uh, and you try to top each other. Because no matter what age we are, no matter how legit we, Gary and I look, 
And, and let's be honest, if Martians <laughs> landed, if Martians landed and said, "Take us to your white man," they'd be here right now. Uh, farts are funny. Yes, they are. They just are. And like, never mind when when we get together with Petros and Money down the hall. Um, I mean, and it's but it's but you're crossing the line when you hold somebody down. That's there's a line. And that's it. Well, well, you were in a fraternity. Yeah. Uh, we could we would back up against each other and do it right, but you that's funny. You wouldn't necessarily hold anybody. No, down. hell no. At least not outside of. Have pledge you week. ever heard of the atomic push up? <laughs> yes, but I'm thinking of something else. Oh, <laughs> well, someone needs to describe it now. No, no. the curtains, curtains closing. Yeah, the curtains, <laughs> curtains just, closing. Just closed. Now, Pi Kappa Alpha. Now, the the supervisor is a guy named Greg Short, and in court he Greg said Short. he said he would lift his bum. And fart on him. How would you hold him down and fart on him? Sometimes daily. What do you mean how? But how? Mechanically how? Like you're doing a crab walk and you hold the guy down? I mean, what if they're sitting in oh, a chair and he saying. just yeah. surprises him? Oh, but you know what? Maybe that's what it, you're right. Yeah. You just sit on his lap. Ugh. <laughs> now, Which but is he, problematic he, in itself. He did admit he would lift his bum and fart. Uh, he fat. Told, fat. He told the court while he remembered fart at fatting... He didn't recall thrusting his backside directly uh, at Hinkst to deliberately offend him. Now, how about this? <laughs> the boss says there may have been a cultural... <laughs> but I love that. All right. The fatting, I'll admit to. <laughs> but I certainly don't remember flinging my backside. Thrusting. And, 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 uh, thrusting my backside well, at an underling and fatting. He didn't point it at him, I think, is kind of the uh, the suggestion. I'm turning there. into Richard Blade now. He said that there may have been some cultural misunderstanding <laughs> because because Hinkst is German. Oh, my God. Yes, and, hell yes, sir. And Germans <laughs> don't understand that the, uh, the you know, periodic fursing <laughs> is just an Australian way of joking around. No, yeah, you don't do that to Germans. They They don't find that part funny. That has something to do with gas also? Oh, yeah. There's not much they find funny. They're not really good with the humor. They're great with crowds, not great with humor. Yeah, you don't do that. You don't You don't go up to a German and say, pull ein Finger. It's, it doesn't work. That's why you know, there's thousands of Americans that have been in Germany since, oh, right around this month, 1945. And our, our sense of humor is way different from, from theirs. Now, wait a minute. Is it are – they, are they above it? Very, very much. They don't find it funny. It's embarrassing. It's an, embar- an embarrassing function. And they wish it wouldn't happen. You certainly don't do it in front of each other. But not, see, not in a tent, not what, in a tank, nothing. What I don't understand is I think you're, you're absolutely right. It's a funny function. It's a funny bodily function. It makes a noise. As, as proven by the fact that you can have a, a three-year-old who has zero idea about uh, social contract will laugh when grandma gets up out of the chair and lets one squeak out. Yeah. She'll laugh and, and have no... Thank you, just in case the horse wasn't dead yet. <laughs> Thanks, Blake. He's been waiting. Okay, wait, wait, wait. It gets better. It gets better. It gets better. The court heard that David, the employee, once labeled his boss Mr. Stinky and even sprayed him with deodorant at one point. The the justice in this case in Victoria's Supreme Court there in Australia rejected the claims of malicious flatulence, saying it was an offense that has its origins in cultural difference rather than the sort of fear, distress, humiliation or victimization that would 
ordinarily expect in a bullying scenario. Yeah. And you know what? You do that here in the U.S. I bet that, that lawsuit would go forward. You know where people fart left and right, have no problem farting out loud, but they don't think it's funny? <laughs> Japan. Out loud? This but they don't think it's funny? No, they don't. Like it's normal because they're not embarrassed by it. The entire basis of our fart comedy is that it's embarrassing Yeah, because it smells. In Japan, it's like, look, I'm don't, I don't apologize for burping. I don't don't apologize for farting. It's just a thing. Yeah, no. In Japan, they they fart left and right, but no one laughs. So you know, you're sitting there ripping them, like, hey, these this is my A material. How long? Come on, this th- is the good stuff. But they're not laughing. How long do you think this trial lasted? I have a quiz. Eighteen minutes. Ooh. Eighteen days. No. And there were fifteen witnesses. <laughs> Nasal witnesses. <laughs> Could you describe victims? Describe Zafurza. <laughs> All right, we come back. Justin Warsham, host of the Dad Podcast. I'll bet you you can light him. <laughs> We're going to have a, a very stinky break here in just a second. Gary and Shannon, Brian Suits sitting in. We'll continue right after this. filling in today for Shannon. She's on vacation. She'll be back. Uh, she may be on a plane right now. Not that I give her location away. But Is she going back for Estonian pancakes? Is that her? No, she went for Thailand super gonorrhea. So I'm going to... If anybody... If anybody has like a, a little pill case of fake antibiotics or something, I'm just going to leave them on her desk for her. She hated it. Just you put Tic Tacs in one. You can yeah. have my non uh, my non flush free uh, niacin bottle if you want, because I'm tired of taking that stuff. <laughs> um, we will um, we will talk at the bottom of the hour about Gavin Newsom still holding the lead in the governor's race in the Lydia's poll. Uh, but there's also an Eric Garcetti story we got to get to as well. So uh, we'll do that at the bottom of this hour. Justin Warsham, host of the Dad Podcast, has joined us. Good, hey, hey, good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. Uh, we're all dads, and mm-hmm. I don't like to brag, but Who's I think we are oh, it was three. About- of the greatest, the greatest dad. dads of all time, aren't we? Probably, right? right? I mean, we haven't screwed them up that bad. You know what I like too that I'm just now noticing in this room. I feel like we could do instead of just my two dads, we could do kind of a three men and a baby kind of scenario, but with the three personalities. You know what I mean? Like, am I wrong here with the well, casting? I, I, uh, not a lot of contrast going on here. What do you mean? <laughs> well, I'm not we're worried about married. diversity. <laughs> I mean, you're we're gonna, all, you're gonna we're have to fem it up a little bit if, if why were those three? I like that you together? think I'm gonna have to. I don't think you quite understand who I am. Then, <laughs> uh, so uh, one of the things that you get to do on your podcast is talk to uh, all kinds of child psychologists and doctors and, yep. and parenting experts about things that people do when they raise their kids, kind of what to watch out for, how to compare yourself or not to other parents, that sort of thing. Um, and this issue, we haven't talked about this one yet, this issue of how much it actually costs yeah. to raise a child. And this was born in that, it, from the podcast, <laughs> <Children I've>, born. <laughs> get it? From the podcast, I've done lots of, read lots of articles where you desperately seek for some kind of uh, branch to pull you out of the sandpit of parenting, I feel sometimes. And I'm looking for something that means that I'm, I'm doing it better. Because you see, like we talk when Shannon's here, we see her dink lifestyle of Estonian pancakes or... Thailand super gonorrhea. Like she's living. Weekend in Vegas. Right. right. Exactly. And that's. <laughs> I love that. I, hate, I want her life. Exactly. <laughs> no. And, uh, and so the research shows that people who are what they call dinks, dual income, no kids, 
are generally happier than people with children, but... Loathed by normal people. Correct. <laughs> and they uh, not only are they loathed, but they lead less fulfilled lives. So we technically do not experience our sense of happiness or more, uh, more of a sense of accomplishment until in our latter years, and we see the fruit of our labors passing forward and moving well, on. Well, uh, we actually talked a little bit about that last uh, yesterday afternoon when Dr. Wendy came in, and that the idea of there being a U-shape to our level of happiness right. throughout the course of our lives, and down at the bottom, you know, at the top is, you, you know, early on in life, you're happy, your 20s, your early 30s, you have kids, you know, you, they're young, then you get into your 40s, 50s, kids are out of the house, and you got nothing to do. It's when everything starts coming back Is around. Is that supposed the to be the low point? Because that sounds amazing. It's different. I, I, a lot of people say that. <laughs> really? But I, as, as a guy who's like staring yeah, over the, the edge of the cliff in that, uh, I can it's see It's not how as it, nice as it sounds? I can and, see how it's not going to be. And place. amongst us, you're the only one who actually has, has gone through, who has one who's a teenager and one who's out of the nest. Yeah. Uh, as a teenager. So, so I know that I'm right. My daughter just turned nine two days ago. Happy birthday. So... And I gave her a shout out on national TV, and and so, uh, and I know that she's really sarcastic, really really funny. And my wife has said, "You have no idea what you're in for. You are four years away from the most <laughs> smart ass, you know, fourteen well, year old." I would say yes. I mean, in, in that teenage girls can be a dangerous weapon, <laughs> and I'm like. In a good, like the most positive way. Imagine, if you will, just that that little metal canister that holds like a, a suitcase nuke in a movie somewhere, and everybody has to treat it super carefully. It's a really pretty container. Like it, it can be, you know, some special effects guy somewhere carved it out of raw aluminum, and it looks really cool. Um, but if you mishandle that thing, it, the entire, you know, downtown. And I like that analogy because it truly is all in how you handle it. Like it, yeah. that's really what it boils down to. Well, and to to bring it back to what we plan to talk about, sorry, like Megasonic and a... the X Men. Right. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I wish I knew, but I'm. I'm not cool, nerdy She's enough. She's a tiny right? little girl. The uh, what I was doing my taxes right, and I and I keep comparing my. I have a friend who's in his 40s. His uh, girlfriend is in her 30s, and uh, we always compare lifestyle. We compare notes. Uh, in fact, for a while, we we're doing a podcast about Why that is he very still thing. Your friend. I know it's hard. That's <laughs> because I'm a glutton for punishment, evidently. Okay. And so in doing that in taxes, I thought, you know, what if I wonder if there's a way to figure out exactly how much your kids cost you. And it turns out that the USDA does it for you. They've been doing this since uh, the 1960s and they did it just for informing parents. But now it's used on like on the state level to figure out child support payments and in the court level for the same reason. And also to determine costs for foster care and, and that kind of benefits. That's the primary use for it. Now, today, if a, if a kid who was born in 2015 is expected to cost their parents between the ages of 0 and 17, so from birth until they turn 17, which I don't understand why that last year isn't tallied in there, hmm. but it's $233,610. Spread out over 17 years. Correct. Yeah. And that averages out about $14,000 a year. Now this is, and you wouldn't know. The thing is, if you went to the store and shopped for two instead of three, I don't. You're not going to notice, right? It's, it's the clo- It's the uh, it's the ancillary expenses. Yeah. Well, here's here's what they boil it down to. Now the the numbers on this are are they come from a what they call a traditional family with two parents and two children. That's how they worked out this average, and it's based off of a middle class income. 
So I went and looked up the the uh, median income in California is sixty seven thousand seven hundred thirty nine, which makes the middle income bracket forty five thousand all the way up to one hundred thirty five thousand annually. So that's just to give you an idea if you fit within this uh, range that they're talking about the numbers. Now the 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 amount of money that you the cost of living for uh, and the income for middle class. The cost of living jumped up about, uh, or the cost of kids jumped up 3.2% in the same year from the year prior that all these numbers are from, while the income jumped up only 3.2%. Inflation was 2.1% that same year. So in my math, if, if I'm not mistaken, inflation bit about two-thirds of that. So you really, everything only jumped up about 1%. Am mm-hmm. I right on that or yeah, am I not? Enough right. All right. So let, that's just kind of the math of the income. And I know that's a lot of numbers, and, and that's, I'm sorry. But you're talking, that's clothes, everything. House and rent, and putting food in their head hole. Right? Yes. And then you, they, know, you know what kills me about California? And maybe you guys don't know this because you're, you're from here. To just get your kids into any freaking sport. Yeah. You're oh. talking about 1000 bucks a year. It's unbelievable. Uh, before travel. We've talked about this many times at my house because my daughter's been in volleyball for six, six years now. And the idea of just playing a high school sport, like if if Justin went out for baseball or Brian went out for basketball or whatever, you guys would go out for the team, and on the off chance that you had one leg, you wouldn't make the team. But maybe you would for a sympathy vote, whatever it was. But you you would make the team. 90% of the people who went out for those teams made the team unless there was some ridiculously gross motor skill issue that you had and couldn't compete. Now it's not like that. You have got to play your sport, whatever it is. First of all, you have to pick one mm-hmm. when you're about nine. Yep. You have to play it year-round, and you have to be involved in the politics of fundraising for the school team or the club team, and this is- the politics of who's the coach and who the parent, you know, who the team parent is going to be. All of it is is out of the – I mean, it just blow. it's completely ridiculous in terms and I get, of the money and effort. I, I was a swim club guy all my life. I got that, and we transitioned on to the high school. Of course, you didn't pay for uniforms because the school did. Here in California, you're right, you do your sport all year round because you can. But even at the high school level, you're kicking in for a better lacrosse stick or a better helmet or, or whatever. And that's the part where any normal parent, you want to see your kids at least try sports. To just try sports, you got to spend a bunch of money. Right. And swimming is cheap. It's like goggles, suit, and those are optional. Thirty bucks. Uh, we know. have an opportunity for you to win a thousand dollars to help pay for oh. your damn kids. Coming up, <laughs> brought to you by Cunning Dental. So much anger, uh, but crooked, also crooked <laughs> teeth. Cunning Dental for a free exam. Triple eight six forty smile. We'll tell you how to win in a few minutes. That is why people are wondering why do California athletes dominate collegiate sports? Division one, one AA, Division two, uh, in in soccer, track and field, football. It's Texas, California, Florida. Well, because we play sports all year round. You can play a sport all year round, but you specialize. You know, and I, where I come from in Port Angeles, Washington, home of the Rough Riders, it was right about now we're doing baseball. Uh, and then late the summer, we'd be two days for football. And then if you cared, you play basketball or you swam or you wrestled. Wrestle, like so. touch junk. Who, See, who would want to do that? that? But it was all, that was what, that was the rhythm of things up there. Here, there's no rhythm. It's soccer, 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 soccer. Well, I, soccer. There's a huge, complex baseball complex they're all around southern california but there's a big one up in the santa clarita valley hey huge it's like it's like a little academy the thing is that you can't even the even the the kids who are you know nonplussed they don't really give a rip about baseball they just want to do what their buddies are doing 
they're still on the hook for yeah. a $250 glove that is, you know, they're not going to take care of the yeah. way it should be taken care of. $350 for a bat. And then you got $90 for the shades. I mean, just ridiculous amount of money that's spent on this stuff. And these kids, they don't care. They don't know the difference, and they don't care. My, my daughter and I go to a – did I interrupt you? No. My daughter – wait, there's a store. There's one in Northridge, one in Irvine. Super high-end store called Monkey Sports. All they do is hockey, lacrosse, baseball. Just three California high-end sports. California hockey, lacrosse, and baseball. And the people that walk in there are parking Teslas, pulling out silver and gold and black premium Amex cards, the whole thing, and, like, there's nothing to it. I mean, to play, there's no high school hockey in California. So who are these people? Well, they're playing private hockey. Well, there's a club. There's clubs. Right. Yeah. But yeah, travel not... teams, too, is a yeah. thing. And are you saying... Yeah. I, I think... just want to tell the people, the management of Monkey Sports, so they can feel free to contact me. <laughs> here at Icar Media. Doc and I will. I, I delight in wearing their lovely logo. <laughs> the Because uh, in California, am I right? Because here's my impression of being involved, even on the elementary level, of Booster Club. But we go to, like, compliance training and meeting with all of the high school teams that are the very thing that you're talking about. These are fundraising organizations that are mm-hmm. devoted to your water polo or your band or whatever individual. You might have eight different booster clubs at, at the high school level. Are you saying that you do sports year-round because of the weather in California? And the reason California is probably paying a higher ticket item, in my experience, is that the schools either don't have the funding or aren't devoting the funding to these kinds of things. The so second up, thing. Yeah, it's... it ends up being a thing that the parents are not only buying the equipment, but also directly through a booster club, paying for gas, transportation, in a lot of ways, coaching salaries, too. Well, you're, you're, you're keeping up with the Joneses, unfortunately, for a lot of the different sports. Because, you know, and love baseball, I've always loved baseball, love playing it, love watching it. But a high school team does not need a home jersey, an away jersey, an alternate, four, you know, Friday jersey, and then the throwback not, not a color rush. They don't need that. <laughs> That, that's but that literally that's the thing. I mean, and and a baseball uniform hat to, to spikes can run you three hundred and fifty bucks, depending on on who you get it made by, et cetera. And then you want to throw in the road jersey or the the practice warm ups or you know all of these different things that go into just and this is just the uniform part of it. The school's only going to kick in fifty bucks per kid, so the parent is on the hook for the other five hundred or seven hundred or nine hundred. And it's not just baseball or football where equipment is also, you know, can be pretty price, can be prohibitive in terms of the price just getting into the game. You got volleyball where they've got three different jersey colors. They've got sweats. They've got, you know, granted, in that case, you've got one ball. Thankfully, you know, you don't have to worry about it. And everybody starts with the same level of equipment. But shoes are going to run you 80 bucks. You know, the little spanky pants that you wear just to support your daughter, they're going to run like 80 bucks. And nobody's going to be comfortable sending their kid out there looking like the bad news yeah. bears. Yeah, exactly. And by the way, at my high school to this day in 2018, when you make the baseball team, you reach into a box of, of medium, large, or XL baseball jerseys, and you pull out probably the jersey I wore in 1982. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's just how it works. But down here, there's five administrators per coach, per teacher, whatever. No, it absolutely blows me away Then our friend down the hall... You know, his daughters are are in volleyball, and the whole payoff obviously is a what college scholarship. Sure. Yeah, and so uh, like my my wife went to Creighton, a, pr- a very expensive private school, to play soccer. You know, great if that if that pays off, then, then you can do that. But I mean, yeah, the, but- and I told my daughter that's why I said kind of the punchline is I'd love for you to go somewhere on an athletic scholarship, 
But in the state of California, you go to school anywhere for free or else why did I stand so close to the frickin' mortar? You know, I didn't do that for my health. That that there's a tuition waiver on that. Uh, that and that point of the idea that so much of this is now, you know, targeted towards a college scholarship. It's it's almost ironic because you think of the amount of money right. that you're putting into your kid That's... at the age of ten to specialize in baseball, for example, all the travel, all the club teams, all the bats, all the gloves, all the uniforms. You're spending tens of thousands of dollars. Before that kid even gets to college, maybe gets the scholarship. That's what my dad had a very, uh, un, what was it, uncomfortable would probably be the best word, argument with my sister-in-law about my niece being a cheerleader. Because they, they were spending thousands and thousands of dollars every year that they couldn't afford. And my dad was like, why are you doing this? And she's like, he goes, well, for scholarships. And my dad just cursed at her. He goes, you could pay for the effing school at this point. Right. What are you doing? And And there's such a... Hold on, we'll give away some money for a second. I got so much money talk. Uh, Justin Warsham, host of the Dad Podcast, has joined us. We're talking about money, and why not give away a thousand dollars right now? Here's how you're gonna win. Your shot at one thousand dollars now. Text the keyword money to 200, 200 You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's money to 200-200. Can, can I point something out? Absolutely. Oh, yeah, answer your phone. Answer you your phone, $1,000 next hour, all the way through 7 o'clock. I took a step back and I just listened to the last 10 minutes, and I just want to say we sound like three guys at the bar and claim jumper. <laughs> We've got real problems. Like guys. You're from Reading yeah. and you're from Yuba City. Yeah. And what the hell? I'm just from over the hill. We're all into this thing. Hotel room, everything. I'm in 60 bucks for some spanky volleyball yeah. pants. Did you? And then, and then we, get a, we get a text from our kids. The game's over. Oh, we got to finish these beers and get back Yeah, there. Uh, We'll be there in like uh, the 20 way, minutes. That uh, snotty Tollison kid spiked my boy behind the plate. That was, that was an out. Uh, the bastard the, should get kicked from the league. The, the, we're talking about how much money it costs to raise a kid. I mean, in terms of $233,000 is the average um, from birth through the age of 17. And so much of what we talk about in terms of, you know, getting them ready for whatever's after 17 or 18 um, the just to tie it back into what we're talking about, the cost of sports, for example, they're not allowed to have the fun. You know, mm-hmm. we, when we were involved with sports in high school and, you know, outside of that little league and that sort of thing, we made friends. The pressure was low. Yep. Nobody, nobody thought to themselves, you know, in my Petaluma Valley little league, I'm going to be the one guy who makes it onto the San Francisco Giants. Like nobody thought that. No, it, it never existed before. We didn't. Ha- that was never a thought in our mind. We were just there to have fun. Carl and- Crawford thought that, <laughs> and now he is a San Francisco Giant. Well, here's the thing. He's not a San Francisco Giant anymore. The, <laughs> oh, that's the, right. The, the you, subject. You don't get to have the camaraderie, the fun, the learning tools. It's the pressure in these things, and and we as parents are paying for this undue pressure to be put on our kids to perform. As the offensive coordinator of the Burbank Bills five-on-five flag football team here in Burbank, <laughs> I can assure you 
that uh, I feel like I am letting my team down because when we do the combine, which is a real thing, sure. we have a bunch of kindergarten all the way up to fifth grade and up kids come out and they do a combine so they can get placed on teams and everything. It's and a meat I, market. I do. Sometimes, sometimes I feel like I stumbled onto the set of hard knocks a, with what's going on there. combine for seven-year-olds. Like, it is. I, it's like I won I won some kind of sweepstakes. Knees up, knees up, knees up. It is. It's exactly that. It's like, And it's there's a lot of like, how many times do I have to tell you, son? Keep your head up. Nobody wants to see your shoes, and neither should you. Like, that kind of stuff. <laughs> Those are not spirit fingers. <laughs> These are spirit fingers. <laughs> and I don't know. I don't – because there is an element that I like of that, and I think that's kind of also what your point is, that, that not only do we do it academically, which I think is kind of more of a growing trend lately, but there is a lot that can be gained from the camaraderie, uh, the the social skills that build, and and the perseverance that comes from a kid playing sports. And I, I like all of that, and I don't know that all of that gets taken away if we start taking it less seriously – as adults. Well, but check this out, though, because remember how you used to play with other kids? A buddy of mine would not let his three sons play in the neighborhood because they might get injured yep. for, for sports. The bottom punchline is his middle son is a quarterback at Indiana. Oldest son is trying to walk on as a receiver at USC. White guy. Um, and the third son is probably going to go to the University of Washington as a quarterback. But my 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 experience with sports, and I don't know if it's just genetically, I knew that my kids had no chance of ever getting a scholarship for anything athletic. Uh, I wanted I want them to be able to look at sports as something they can do for the rest of their lives. Yeah. You know, I want them to find something a that lifestyle. they enjoyed, yeah. that they you know they understand the benefits of getting out there and being active. They understand. So that's why uh, my wife and I have talked about it all the time we've talked about sports that we want to play or you know races that we want to run or you know exercising and always inviting them and that sort of stuff because we understand the benefit of that that sort of a thing and not to have their hearts crushed when they're a junior in high school yeah. that they're not getting the scholarship or they get cut from the varsity team or they're not going and, to division one yeah or and then and then just give up on it and you know to to find some sort of value in it outside of the financial benefits they could get from it yeah well and speaking of financial benefits which ties into the sports thing if you were to birth your own sports team you actually save 24 percent versus someone who just has a family of two children so the more children you have they actually save you more money people with just one child sorry to tell you brian they spend 27 percent more than the average Person. But what, what do you mean, Bertha? Like you? So if I have you technically uh, spend twenty seven percent more than both Gary and I with just our two kids, because you mean you're handing gear off yes. to the yeah. younger kids. And uh, yeah, but I thought kids don't like that anymore. I thought you couldn't do that. Well, you can. It's only it, for me <laughs> when my I have two older sisters. It was when I started junior high and I was getting their hand me down clothing that it became awkward. But their sports equipment was fine. Well, yeah, also, you know problem. what I noticed is that there's not as many played against sports. As there were ten years ago, yeah, I, that's you know. I, I, How's I, that I, that's for a metric? I thought you were going to say <sighs> that one of the stores that you and your daughter go to is a play it against sports. I was going to ask yeah, you where it is because I haven't yeah. seen them. In There's a while. one on Sepulveda, right? There was one in Studio City next to the the yogurt place and the liquor and cigarette place, but that closed down. That was our go to play it against sports. The only one now is on Sepulveda. People are not buying used sports gear anymore. Well, they're they're also doing it on Craigslist. Yeah, a lot of times you, you know golf clubs for the internet. Yes. Next segment, we're going to talk all about the Internet. Oh, I can't wait. I don't know anything. What does that sign mean? I don't know. Maybe you can tell me. Uh, All right. So the the thing is, don't have kids. They're too expensive. They are. Is that the bottom line of what we're getting to? Yep.
they cost you a lot of money to the. To- I did. There's if you go to uh, the Gary and Shannon page, KFI AM six forty. Keyword Gary and Shannon. There's a link there that has the ASD calculator that you could put in your age of kids, however many you have, and it tells you how much you spend versus the national average. You pick the region, you pick your income, because obviously if you make more money annually, you're going to spend more money. And uh, to the tune, my two children cost me about $41,000 a year based on where I live and how much money I make. What if you haven't bought an egg in two years? That's true. I I need to make my kids earners like yours. You know what? I've got a nine-year-old daughter, and she'll come to me and say, can I go close the barn by myself? Yeah, hell yeah. So that's what I'm dealing with. That's hashtag winning is what I I call that. Close the barn. By the way, in our claim jumper bar scenario, Gary and I now hate you because you're your daughter's self reliance. We, yeah, we just it's about to get caddy. We at this totally bar. looked at each other and eye rolled this yeah. guy. See, I just said caddy. Can't, don't tell me I'm not the feminine one in the room. And then when I use the bathroom, you two are like one kid, right? Uh, <laughs> hurry up, finish that beer. All right. When we come back, the latest uh, the latest poll in the race for governor of California and what Eric Garcetti has said about uh, us Los Angeles. I can't even say the word. Los Angelinos? Angelinos? That's what he said. That's why she's the talker. Ah. All right. Gary and Shannon will continue. (laughs) Brian Suits. Thank you, Justin, very much. Thank you. So why do you just meet me in the middle? In the middle? Suit sitting in today. Just uh, watched some uh, footage from the White House. We were saying earlier that in terms of when we would throw some missiles into Syria, one of the things we'd keep an eye on was the location of the Secretary of Defense, James Mattis. And apparently he has shown up at the White House within the last few minutes for um, a national security well, meeting. Is or is it Robo Mattis? Well, it's hard to tell from here. I mean, the shot was far enough away, but somebody in the bushes yelled out, analysis, and he kept moving. So I assume <laughs> that it's probably uh, real Mattis. Can I do a callback to 10 minutes ago? <laughs> I just had a talk with Rodney Pete from our sister station, Kelly. See, you're you home the Dodgers. Former USC quarterback. Yep, uh, the, and, uh, and... a sports host who knows what the hell he's talking about. Yes. Because he's done it. And so we were talking about uh, the transition b- b- sports today versus when he grew up. And I, I told him, I said, you know, where I went to high school, you... I told him the jersey story, just reach in the box, get your jersey. And he said, that's what it was like when I was growing up. Here in California, he said, that's what it was like growing up. And and, and we were trying to figure out when was the transition to commit your kid to one sport and start pouring money into it. But but he's got he's got kids. He's, he's in the middle of that right now. What was the uh, name of the high school football team up in the Concord area that's always like perennial? De La Salle? De La, no, not De La Salle. Um, I'm trying to remember. that They were... Always one of those um, one of those schools that had fantastic football. They have a movie about them, even. But I thought that was De La Salle. John Bosco, Folsom Maybe you're right. I think it is De La Salle. You're right. Um, they perennially a ridiculously good uh, football team. Nice and Benicio. And they they were sort of setting the pace when it came to those types of yeah. expenditures for what was supposed to be just high school football. I mean, I still have I still have one of my high school football jerseys that was torn when I was wearing it. When I got it, I should say it was torn. And my cousins all went to private high schools where they recruited left and right, and they wound it was a feeder for American colleges. All my cousins played football at Oregon, 
uh, from Vancouver, B.C., and it was just expected that you, you pay for a private school to get better coaching, you know, the whole thing. It's like, I didn't go, uh, but uh, but this, but it, like Rodney Pete was saying, you know, he went to high school late 70s, early 80s down here in SoCal, and he, he says it wasn't like this. But I do know this. It's not like this uh, in the rest of the West Coast. It's only like this in California. People have never left California. It's not like this in other states. Well, it's, it's a here thing. And I think you're right. I mean, there's something to be said about the fact that you can do you pick a sport, you can do it year round here. Whatever it is, you can you can always do. It. You can play foot, you can play baseball and in specialize. middle of December. Yeah. And and, and be comfortable with it. Yeah. Um and my cousin Matt McLeod is still in the top 10 single season scoring for Oregon Ducks. <laughs> you were a swimmer though? I was a swimmer. Actually, I got a scholarship from from Oregon and Linfield Willamette and Eastern Washington. But none of them had the drinking opportunities that Washington State University did. I actually, I, I was accepted to USC. I almost popped smoke out of Washington, came to L.A. to USC. I would have been gone about three days later. Why? If, I, if, I, in 19, if I'd come to USC in 1982, if I had, you know, I, I would have been on a bus the next day. Oh. Oh. The, had I lived. Hanging out on the Palouse <laughs> is probably the best. Yeah, it was best for me. Best for everybody. Uh, well, uh, Lieutenant Gavin Newsom still the top when it comes to the latest uh, poll in the race for governor. Uh, businessman John Cox is in second once again. So it looks like 26% of likely voters, important to point it out, Public Policy Institute of California, 26% of likely voters back Gavin Newsom, uh, and 15% go for John Cox, the Republican. So that's that way, 15, 26 versus 26 15? versus 15. Um, and then you've got the the Democrats that are following behind. You've got uh, Villaraigosa at 13 percent. Now, the difference between those two, between John Cox and Villaraigosa, is said to be within the margin of error for that poll specifically. But uh, this is the second or third one, I think, that has had Villaraigosa in third place. So it's uh, somewhat believable. And there's there's no way to poll the illegal, illegal aliens that are going to be voting in L.A. County uh, and <laughs> no, Ventura no, County um, and be- San Luis Obispo. But these, because these I know it's a huge myth. But all you have to do is walk into the polling place and give a name. A name. A name. And the thing is, if you can read upside down, which is not that hard, you could give that name. Yeah. Rodrigo Svensson. Um, They will give you Rodrigo's ballot. Travis Allen is in fourth at 10%. John Chung, 7%. Delane Easton, 6%. Have you watched any of these governors' debates? Yes. And on that entire list, the, the the only adult in the room, besides Cox, but no one knows him, John Chung was a really good state comptroller. He was the only Democrat and one of the few elected officials who was saying out loud, we're not funding the pension. None of this means anything. We're $400 billion in debt. He's the only guy that, because that was his job, he's the only guy I trust. Well, he's the guy who, at the latest debate in at USC, was clearly the smartest guy in the room. Yeah. Clearly. Delane Easton was a character. I mean, she she has her own, she's got her own political issues, but she was a character. She reminded me of... The Ross Perot character from way back in '92, yeah, where she, I mean, she had funny quips. She was a little bit angry about everything. It seemed even when it was it wasn't called for, she was angry about stuff. But John Chung was by far the smartest guy in the room. Isn't isn't Easton the one who's running just to embarrass Gavin Newsom about <laughs> sleeping around with absolutely everybody and providing alcohol to a minor? It's possible. It's possible because because she's thing. standing next to Tony Villar, right? <laughs> like, who else? Say what you will about Villar, he had extramarital affairs. 
he never publicly provided alcohol at a Giants game to a 19-year-old, which Gavin Newsom did. Well, everybody's got their own vice. But you know what? He probably wasn't sleeping with her. Um, <laughs> did you have to say probably? Yeah, because right. you know, I'm giving Gavin Newsom the benefit of the doubt. I'm sure there's some lines he won't cross. He'll publicly provide alcohol to a 19-year-old. But well, I'm sure that he drew the line there. One of the guys who we thought was Oh, and on he'll the... sleep with his best friend's wife, who's his campaign manager. Well, but he didn't enjoy it. He didn't enjoy it. He didn't enjoy it. Eric Garcetti, uh, who at one time was spoken of as a possible candidate for governor, is not going to throw his hat in the ring. We know that. But he is planning a trip to Iowa. He has bigger fish to fry. Uh, and despite the fact that he's saying, I just love being the mayor of Los Angeles, I don't. I want to lose my job. He just loves being surrounded by Angelinos. No uh, one uses uses that word more than him. Ugh. I, and I think he learned it from, from Villaraigosa, but he's taken it and run with it. Yeah. Uh, but he says that uh, there is very little difference between California and Iowa. In speaking to reporters at a news conference in Sacramento yesterday, he lambasted the common perception that those living in metropolitan regions on the nation's coasts are out of touch with citizens in the Midwest, he said, and I quote, we're the same as Iowa. These divisions that there's the heartland and the coast, to me, are BS. Does he give us a list of reasons, of, of similarities? He says, L.A. is the heartland, and Iowa is the cutting edge. Okay. Is there more? They have 31.3% of their power generated by wind, by renewable, the highest in the country. They're a manufacturing capital, like we are. They're a farm state. We're a farm state. Sounds like a bit. It does. You have an A in your name? We have an A in our name. (laughs) We have an an I and an O. We have two O's. We don't have a W. You have the Hawkeyes. We, We have the Bruins. Isn't that? It sounds like a bit that he's doing. Yeah, I I just can't imagine him throwing down uh, blue jeans and a t-shirt, rolling through uh, 120 acres of the finest corn ever grown in the earth, and uh, actually making conversation with somebody who lives there. He really, honestly thinks that he can go to Iowa and say, "You get wind energy, we do in L.A." I mean, he really he's talk about tone deaf. The guy really truly has no idea what's so aberrant about Hollywood and and Los Angeles. Um, but, and also, by the way, you know what else he does? It's so annoying. He's he, just so handsome all the time. Besides saying Angelinos, you know what else he says? City of Angels. Oh, yeah. Oh, shut up. <laughs> That's like calling San Francisco Frisco oh. to, to insiders. They hate that. But he goes, he walks around with a straight face calling L.A. the City of Angels. That's That's one of those things where I can't tell where you're from. But I know that when you say Frisco, you're not from California. Yeah, yeah. and and, it, and the only person who's allowed to say City of Angels is Anthony Kiedis during the uh, the encore <laughs> uh, at, at Coachella. Okay. When, when we come back, speaking of California, the step to get enough signatures to trigger the vote to break up the state once again. <clears throat> if you want to throw your money away, I'll accept it. Um, I'll, I'll take it. But we'll talk about that next on Gary and Shannon. Brian Suits sitting in. Gary and Shannon. Brian Suits sitting in today. Don't forget you can uh, follow Brian on the social medias at Dark Secret Place and listen in on uh, Saturday night. The most listened to show 
in all of Saturday night. The number one show. My nonstop two-hour free commercial-free dance party. Um, do you have a DJ in-house? Me. On the ones and twos? The you're doing that while you're doing the show? Yeah. No producer, no phone calls. Um, one o'clock. It's called Talent, Gary. Yeah. Man, look it up. <laughs> Mark Saltzman, our uh, tech columnist from USA Today, is going to join us in the one o'clock hour uh, and talk about some good technology stuff. Now, I do not understand why it is people continue to throw money at ballot measures to split up the state of California. Uh, just just a quick quick aside uh, to Tim Draper. Just just Tim. This is just us talking to you. If you're looking to stick money somewhere, I can give you a bank account number because sticking money into a plan to break up the state of California, whether it's into two separate states or three or 50, is never, ever going to work. And remember, four years ago, he his plan was to split it eight ways. Yes. So he's dialed it back. To it. Yeah, thank you. We appreciate that. There are three states that he wants to do in this um, program, if you want to call it that, that he's this initiative, he's calling Cal 3. And he says he's got more than 600,000 signatures and it would be submitted to elections officials next week and that it should, according to him, qualify for our November ballot. You got three states. NorCal. NorCal would be... um, we basically San Francisco and San Jose, San Francisco, we, like we, a, across Weed Ahoma. We <laughs> Weed Weed Kansas. The state of Weed. Uh would and Weed might even be the capital because there is the town called Weed up there. All weed, of that Virginia. From uh from the regular northern California borders with Oregon and Nevada all the way down to I mean, it's hard to tell exactly. And it but, would include San Francisco? Yeah, it would include so San Francisco. Would, yeah. yeah, San Francisco would be the largest city. Um, there is a state of Cal, which would be L.A., Ventura, Santa Barbara, San Luis Obispo, Monterey, San Benito counties. And then SoCal. No, I thought that was actually California. That Somebody was going to retain that name. It was going to be the coast, the lower coast. That, that we coast. would keep the name California? Full name California. The way it's written out in this one, in this, uh, San, the Times of San Diego, it just says Cal. So they may, they may keep the whole name. You're right. And I then, think they're just shortening it. And then Southern California would be made up Orange, Riverside, San Bernardino, San Diego, but then up around Imperial, Kern, King, Fresno, Tulare, Inyo, Madera, and Mono counties. Wrong. <laughs> have you ever, have, I mean, you're from up there. I lived in Modesto a couple of years. That's, that's a different state. The yeah, Central it, Valley, that is, a, that is a different state. That is Oklahoma. I mean, they, they left Oklahoma in the 30s and they settled Modesto. Because it looked like. Oklahoma. Gary Condit was my congressman, you know, the only guy happy for 9-11. Um, he, he was an Okie. Now, if you were to split this up, and again, it, beyond the fact that it would have to go through the state legislature, Congress would have to approve this. This is never going to happen. Oh, slam dunk. <laughs> Where would you draw these lines? Because you'd have to include, L.A. would have to be included with San Francisco. I think right? logically there's only one thing to do, and it's split it north-south. Except the South would get all its water from the North. That's fine. So it, but so the, they're saying there would be a war, possibly. <laughs> but we sneak up on them when they're stoned. But that's also highly likely. But I, mean, I, I don't know. But I mean, likely. I guess the root issue to me is what's the problem with one California now? What exactly is the issue? 
See, I don't understand. It's not like we don't have a representative government. We do. I mean, we've got the 80-member assembly and the 40-member state senate, so we've got the ability to represent the different parts of the state appropriately. Yeah. It's just that, I mean, for the most part, people keep reelecting dummies yeah. into Sacramento. That's the, that's the issue. Who let illegal aliens vote? Yeah, not whether or not we need to split up and, and develop you know, state borders. Um, one proposal, uh, according to this, said that it would the state would be called California. You're right, that one of L.A. and Ventura down through, um, or I should say up through Monterey and San Benito counties but that it might leave the name to be chosen by its residents after it's yeah, split. Yeah, but we do already the state very closely resembles a third world. This state of California, L.A. County, Ventura, all the way down south, that would be the third world where where about 200,000 people pay 80% of the taxes, and then everyone else are struggling, agricultural, minimum wage, illegal, you know, and they do all the janitorial and all that. I mean, we would, we, we would resemble Peru. Sounds lovely, Peru. We, we kind of do now. There's only you know, and just like just like an old in 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 the Soviet Union or in East Germany, there was always one excellent hospital for the core of the party. Well, here we call it Cedar Sinai. Right. Everyone else, you go to your other hospitals. What does Tim Draper get out of this? Tim Draper authored this. He's the venture capitalist and threw his money behind this. I don't know. That's, that's, I mean, what an amazing! You, how rich do you have to be to th- keep continually throw money at this idiotic plan. Eight, first it was eight parts, now it's three. <laughs> Maybe next time he's going to hit it right. He's going to cut it uh, to, to two and a half. Two and a half states. We'll do all of our trending stuff coming up. And a perfect lunchtime story about condiments. Condiments. And and by the way, the reason the rest of the country wouldn't want this is is now they have two ultra-liberal senators. Why would you want four more? Yeah. So there's that. Gary and Shannon will continue. Brian Suit sitting in today. Well, the uh, latest of what's going on in Washington, D.C., as it pertains to what will be happening in Syria, it appears, is that the president said a decision on Syria would be coming fairly soon. Uh, At the bottom of this hour and probably next hour, we're going to update you on anything that comes out of D.C. We know the president is meeting with, among other people, the secretary of defense. Um, And while the White House says that they do believe that there was a chemical weapon attack, the Secretary of Defense has said he's still looking for evidence, making sure that there is evidence that, in fact, that this is uh, uh, this was a chemical attack last Saturday in that suburb of Damascus that killed several people. Uh, Brian Suits has joined us, filling in for Shannon today. She's out for a vacation once again. Or a, still? Again? Still? What would you call it? Still? Still. She's en route. She is. <laughs> she is. Hey, That's not a gonorrhea sneeze. What does a gonorrhea sneeze sound like, Gary? What else is going on, Blake? Time for What's Happening. Not falling for that trick again. Uh, so one of the uh, trending stories, at least on Twitter today, is the hashtag Holocaust Remembrance Day. The what? Exactly. Israel stood still today for a nationwide moment of silence and remembrance of the Jewish victims. There were several places around the world that commemorated this uh, moment of silence. There was a two-minute siren that wailed across the country in Israel. The nation paid respects to those who were systematically killed 
uh, buses and cars. If you've if you've when, never when, seen I a would have heard of about this, that. When did this happen? Th- which part? The Holocaust. Exactly. If you've not seen the footage of this happening, of what happens on Holocaust Remembrance Day, literally traffic. Imagine you're driving down the 405. Imagine if they did this, say, for Memorial Day at noon local time on Memorial Day. Everybody stopped what they were doing. Or just Fairfax. And to any, yeah, to pick any street and stood at attention while somebody played taps or reverie or something. That's basically what happens in Israel on Holocaust Remembrance Day. Traffic stops. People stop everything that they're doing, get out of their cars, and stand there for two minutes in remembrance of the those six million people who were killed in the Holocaust. This is the stunning part that we learned. Six million Jews, four million others. Uh, that is if you believe in the Holocaust. I'm, I'm, or if I'm blown away. Or if you've heard of it. That's the other part just, of it. Just have you have been taught it in school. More than one-fifth of millennials in the United States, 22% of them, have not heard of... Or are not sure if they've heard of the Holocaust. How come this headline says 4 in 10? That'd be 40%. Uh, Because it says 41% believe that 2 million Jews or fewer were killed during the Holocaust. I gave them a, I guess they gave them a number and said, how many Jews would you say were killed during the Holocaust? I have uh, 2 million, up to 4 million, up to 6 million. No, that's too many. Are there that that's many? That's a lot. I, I obviously, I would be a nightmare dad to have if you're teaching my daughter history. But man, <laughs> I got to say, I'll, I'll give you a little wiggle room on Christopher Columbus and the morality of this discovery in North America. Just teach the freaking Holocaust accurately. Well, I would even uh, listen if if I asked my daughter, she's fifteen, she's in a modern civilizations class. If I had said, "Have you ever heard of the Holocaust?" She'd say, "Well, yes." And I quizzed her on how many people were killed. She would go. Can you can, give me a give me a range? Park. Give me like how how give close me, do I have to give be? me give me a moral outrage ballpark? Um, Comiskey. So that I could understand. I mean, she, I would hope that people understand what the the Holocaust was and is. I mean, it's it's not that long ago when you think about it. I mean, there's literally. Survivors. I mean, that's why the outrage last month when that woman, uh, a Holocaust survivor, was beaten to death in France, in Paris. I mean, she lived through that, just to be beaten down by, by young men in Paris. Two-thirds of millennials could not identify what Auschwitz was. Like, if you said the name Auschwitz to someone, does it, does it ring a bell to anybody? Uh, and according to this, two-thirds of millennials just gave that big, dumb, blank face behind their beard. And so, obviously, they're the leading edge of some really, really crappy history being taught in public schools. So, so millennials cap out at, what, 29? And they're a voting age now, too? Well, yeah. no, I'm, I'm technically a millennial. All right, what's the Holocaust? Oh, come on. I mean, I know what it is. <laughs> Not to put you on the spot, but... Right. Um... And a, a majority of American adults, and this is just sort of common sense on the context, in the context of the survey, 70% of American adults agree with this statement. Fewer people seem to care about the Holocaust as much as they used to. Probably true. Because, like, I mean, there are still some survivors, but there's a lot of people we're losing them just like, uh, you know, other World War II veterans that we were talking about yesterday. Uh, National Enquirer is trending today because of a new story 
about the National Enquirer apparently paying for and spiking a Donald Trump story. This would have been eight months before uh, the National Enquirer company paid $150,000 to Playboy Playmate Karen McDougal. Karen McDougal is the one who was having the year-long affair uh, bookending the Stormy Daniels one-night stand. And the she said she I've stayed, never heard of that act. She, she stayed secret. I'll, I'll try. Is that like me, space docking? I, I know this is. Let me just draw you a stick figure. Oh, you're version. talking chronologically here. Stormy Daniels for people who, who don't really know the the scale of it. That's a 12 hour story arc. He meets her at Tahoe, comes up to Trump's room. She goes to the bathroom. He disrobes, according to her. But that was it. Was a, that was a one time thing. Karen McDougal was an affair. Yes, a year-long affair that she says where she felt like she was in love with him. So if I draw stick figures, you see him there, the male. Oh, stick that's figure how you bookend it, right? And that, but you've got to make sure you've got to make sure that the the um, the beanbag. Then what's a rusty trombone? Oh, that's going to take more drawing. Hold on. But anyway, this is a this is a new version of a story that the tabloid's parent company. Also made thirty thousand dollar payment to a less famous individual, a former doorman at one of the real estate moguls New York City buildings, ah. because he gave them supposedly a tip. The National Enquirer company says, "Listen, we don't cut checks for stuff like this on a regular basis. We thought it was a good tip. We paid for it, but when we did our background checking on it, it turned out to be nothing. That's their version of it, as opposed to." Paying for it and then spiking the he, story, which just means not. Paying. I love that he got thirty thousand bucks in exchange for signing over the rights in perpetuity to a rumor. Yeah, that's a good rumor. I ain't saying nothing, but uh, I heard around the campfire a rumor. A rumor. That rumor must have had a lot of details and some eyewitnesses. But now it's out. The rumor is that he fathered a child with an employee at Trump World Towers. Which is, me, which is not having, Trump Tower. Having seen all of his kids, the ones that we know about, I think that kid would be easy to pick out of a crowd. Possibly. That's like Arnold Schwarzenegger's kids. Maybe he was trying to work up and trying to trade up. There was a weird scene yesterday where a uh, there was a, a vigil for a bicyclist who had been hit and killed by a car. One of the pedestrians who was at the vigil was then hit and run by a driver in that same location. LAPD is looking for the drivers and vehicles involved. Both hit and run crashes again. Only the first one was fatal, uh, but the other one was just as questionable in terms of its... Uh... But on the, the bright side, at least possibly, we've identified a high-risk intersection. <laughs> there is that. Steve. Normandy and Manchester, by the way. Hmm. Anything else ever happened there? I forgot. Yeah, I, you were there. Why, don't, you? why I mean... don't they just rope off that intersection and call, and call it... <laughs> just some Re- cones? Reginald Denny Pedestrian Park. Uh, when we come back, there is a uh, trending story that we're going to spend a little bit more time on. Condiments. Nope. Stop mixing condiments. There's something to be said about each individual condiment in its each individual bottle. Although the people from Heinz may have stumbled onto something here. We'll talk about that when we continue. Gary and Shannon, Brian Suits fit in, sitting in, fitting in, sitting in. Shannon, Brian Suit sitting in. Your chance to win $1,000 right now. Brought to you by Cunning Dental. You got some crooked teeth? Call Cunning Dental for a free exam. 888-640-SMILE. Here's how you can win it. Your shot at $1,000 now. 
Text the keyword BILLS to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's BILLS to 200-200. Answer that phone, even if it's from a number you do not recognize. If you win, they'll give you a call. And your next chance to win is an hour from now. Right when we're going to be talking with uh, Mark Saltzman with our Tech Talk, you also have a chance to win $1,000 an hour during the John and Ken show and during the first hour of the Conway show, just like Brenda in San Bernardino did. She won $1,000. Uh, perfect lunchtime story is whether or not you would want to mix condiments together. Heinz has said on Twitter that if, you, if they have a half a million votes for yes... They will release something called mayo chup, which is mayonnaise mixed with ketchup, I'm assuming, at a 50-50 ratio. Pre-mixed. I voted no. Bi- it's not it, binary. Important point. It's not? No. It's, it, it's combined already, which is my problem with it. Well, you know what they should do is, uh, because they have the opportunity, I mean, technology in terms of condiment bottles truly has reached a peak. Why don't they bifurcate the container and, let and have it come out like an epoxy. Have the tuna eat the mayo, right. then put it in the can. Right. And chop uh, up uh, the pickles. Dude, here's the thing. You said this before. I never knew this. This is already a thing. Yeah. I, I, Monica, it, have, I've done it. Do you have any Utah time? No, no, but but not, not having, not mixed it yourself, served to you as something. Yeah, mm-hmm. when, if you live in Utah, then you, you've discovered... Fry sauce, which you can buy at Ralph's and Vons. You have to ask for it. No, no one west of Utah or east of Utah knows what the hell it is, but the secret society called the Mormons, they they know it. And it's, it is effectively, and I'm revealing church secrets here, it's a combo of Thousand Island and ketchup and mayo. And all, you dip fries in it, and you know what? It's pretty good. There's something called campfire sauce that I've had in Florida. It's, what is- it's ranch and barbecue. Mixed together. See, that sounds good. They have that I, had chilies. A, I had a salad last night that had both ranch and barbecue mm. on it. No, Red Robin. Red Robin. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep, that's where I got it. Right now, you, I mean, there are already pictures of this mayo, mayo chup, delicious, they're calling it a mayonnaise product, by the way. You so know what you mayo do. chup, but it's available only in Arab Gulf states right now. Uh, Chipotle, there's two brands of Chipotle that are terrific. Buffalo, which is a very Hispanic brand. Get it at Viardemart. Uh, or pick a peppa. Have you ever seen pick a peppa with the yeah, parrot? Yeah. Where do you get it? Jamaican jerk wow. sauce. Um, Mix go go oh, go one to five mayo chipotle with mayo, and, and and then you can dip stuff into it. There's nothing wrong with. I shouldn't say there's nothing wrong with mayonnaise. Mayonnaise on a sandwich, for example, is fine. I've I've never understood the mayonnaise solo mayonnaise on French fries. I think that's a no, it's gross. And also. Have you? Okay, I'll say this. You know the dude selling the barbecued corn on the street corner? Sure. With no license, <laughs> right. nothing taxes. They slather mayo on it? Damn good. Yeah. I well, mean, I, it's, I was, I'd never, I'd always smelled it. I was like, oh my gosh, what are they doing to our culture? I gave it a shot. Man, that's good stuff. They're not, they wouldn't put it on there if it was, if somebody didn't think it was, ta- it tasted good. Yeah. The mayonnaise on the outside of the grilled cheese, for example, is a great little, a uh, little cheat, a little hack that people don't know about. But mayonnaise alone, also, I, I have a friend who, when we did the story about a a woman in Sacramento caught on the uh, Sacramento Kings, you know, kiss cam or the, you know, in between plays, she's scooping what turned out to be vanilla yogurt into her mouth, but pretending it came from a jar of mayonnaise, and everybody was grossed <laughs> out by it. Oh, 
we did that story. It's a good sight gag. It's it, it's done a lot of times. I want to say about once or twice a year. At, it's a minor league <laughs> baseball team or the Sacramento Kings, which are roughly the same equivalent in the sports world. That they're going to do it to be funny and get the you know literally do the gag. But but I was told when I we did the story and thought, oh, that's disgusting. A friend texted me and said she would do that. She would it sit and eat oh. by the spoonful an entire an entire jar of mayonnaise if she had to. And and you know what I I it wasn't until I knew how you made mayo that I started to get grossed out by it. You, you literally you take a jar, a one liter jar of vegetable oil, you crack one raw egg in there, and you mix it with a hand mixer. Five minutes later, you got mayo. Yeah, right. Now, 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 try eating that crap. That's all it is. It's a congealed egg that's been whipped into oil, and then it, it holds it all together. And I and and like at first, it's, you know, people don't know this, but the, the, most of your sushi has a specific brand of mayo in it in in a little line. It's it's Kewpie, K E W P I E, Kewpie, like Kewpie doll mayo. Regular mayo doesn't do it. You're eating mayo with, when you don't even know it. <sighs> Um, and also a taste treat, a little bit of soy sauce and mayo for sushi instead of wasabi. Why not wasabi? That's what makes it great. I, Some people can't handle wasabi. Got, oh, yeah, they you got to have a little bit of pain. But I, I'm against the pre-mixing of the mayo and the, the ketchup. But whatever, if they want to make it. Obviously, they've decided to make it. Well, so It's already right. bottled and labeled. It so is bottled. It is labeled. It. It's available overseas for now. Um, the The vote, by the way... I said they wanted 500,000 votes for yes, and they'll release it to the Americans. <laughs> to the Americans. <laughs> to the Americans. <laughs> because we can't mix ketchup and mayo. There have been 530,000 votes so far, Ugh. but only uh, 55% of them uh, are for yes. But I don't get Is it 50-50? Because that's kind of gross. I don't yeah, know. it is. That's why I voted no. Let yeah. me mix it myself. Have you guys ever had curry ketchup? Like they do in yes. Germany? Yes, yes. I, I know where to it's get it. great. Chipotle ketchup. No. But no, curry ketchup with curry powder or curry sauce in ketchup with fries. That's true. When you ask for ketchup in, in Germany, that is what you get is curry ketchup. It's really good. Ours is just bland and normal. Ours, compared to that, it honestly is. All right. Gary and Shannon will continue. We'll get into Swamp Watch. Some of the stuff that's going on in Washington, D.C. today, specifically about What's, whether or not. That'd be that, my phone. Is that the president? Yeah. Uh, specifically about Donald. The, the meeting that, up? <laughs> that the president is having with the uh, national security team. Crazy strikes on Syria? Brian Suits When's is that kick off, y'all? For Shannon today. Oh, Monica no, Ricks. I'm, I'm Victor Brick. No. That's enough. <laughs> That's bombs, enough out of you guys. <laughs> bomb Syria, y'all. Drain the swamp. We're going to drain the swamp of Washington. We're going to have fun doing it. We're all doing it together. Gary and Shannon. Brian Suits sitting in for Shannon today. We uh, have been watching what's been going on in Washington, D.C. One of the things that's uh, sort of in the background, no real huge developments yet, but Mike Pompeo, director of CIA, has been... uh, undergoing his confirmation hearing to become the next Secretary of State in the Senate. And uh, they're asking him all kinds of questions. I mean, the, the normal questions about American foreign policy, et cetera, et cetera. But also, uh, Cory Booker from New Jersey, the senator, was asking him about his policies on same-sex marriage, which his policies don't matter. 
as long as he's enforcing what it is is written down in, in federal law in terms of how he is to treat his employees. Um, but Gavin Newsom, you mentioned this. Gavin Newsom actually tweeted out that exchange, uh, I guess, to point that uh, Mike Pompeo is yeah. what, married a woman or something. And I don't have it, but Senator Cory Booker was trying to nail him down on whether he thinks homosexuality is a perversion. Because Pompeo evidently is on the record when he was running for Congress as a Tea Party guy uh, saying that homosexuality is a perversion or whatever. And and so, I mean, I, of, of all people, Cory Booker should know that you say one thing in front of the people likely to vote for you. And then when you ascend to office, you change things. But but uh, you mean like Barack Obama did when it comes to, to same sex marriage? Yeah. And yeah. I'm not he didn't quite convince. I don't I'm not quite sure why this is important for a future director of the CIA, but features as. Uh, Secretary of State. I'm sorry. Yeah, but when he that, when, here, here's when he was in when it, it, this came out when he was being confirmed uh, for for uh, director of CIA as well. Ah, uh, here's here's the, uh, morning Corey in America Walker. that endorses perversion and calls it an alternative lifestyle. Those are your words. Is being gay a perversion, Senator? I, I, I when I was a politician, I had a very clear view on uh, whether. It was appropriate for two same-sex persons to marry. I stand by that. So, you, so it's, you do not believe it's appropriate for two gay people to marry, Senator? I continue to hold that view. It's the same view. And so, people that, in the State Department—I met some in Africa—that are married under your leadership. You do not believe that that should be allowed, Senator? I, I, we have—I I believe it's the case. We have married uh, gay couples at the CIA. You should know. I treated them with the exact same set of rights. You believe that? You believe dignity. that gay sex is a perversion? Yes or no? Senator, if I, if I can... If yes or no, sir. Moment, if do you believe that moment. gay sex is a perversion? Because that's what you said here How Senator, in one I, of your speeches. Yes or no, do you believe gay sex is a perversion? Senator, I, I'm going to give you the same answer I just gave you previously. My, my respect for every individual, regardless of their sexual orientation, is the same. So, so and it, it's a good point in terms of, regardless of what he feels on inside, you know, in the, in the meaty parts of Mike... Whatever he feels, it doesn't matter because he's got a job to do as secretary of state or a d- director of the CIA, whatever, yeah. you know, whatever uh, things he's talking about. He can have his personal opinions and, that's the and home still run do answer. his job. That's what I don't get. That's the home run answer. And uh, that, that, that what you say is, uh, well, you're making my point for me, Senator, in the CIA, it, because government policy, I administered and led. Gay married couples who worked at the CIA, though I personally disagree with that lifestyle, and and I'll keep my opinions to myself. I, however, do respect federal regulations. That's that's the home run answer, and he he didn't do it. If I would never ever make it past that question, because if Cory Booker said, "Do you think homosexuality? Do you think uh, gay uh, gay married couples are a perversion?" My answer would be, "Well, how gay? Are we talking like the birdcage? Are we talking like?" Modern Family and those guys next door, and they're out throwing a football and stuff. Well, well hold how, on. I mean, hold how on, gay are we? Talking? I'm going to give you three instances, and you need to put them on a continuum for me, if you would, please. <laughs> uh, the birdcage. Where? Where is it? Uh, just, just point to an area on the on the on the spectrum. No, well, on the, I got to say, yeah, I, I'd say uh, uh, knowing every word of a Barbara Streisand musical, that you're you're way out there on the spectrum. Um, Brokeback Mountain. That's at the other end. That's at the other end of it. Because they, they're defending the Second Amendment, which, which all gay Americans should be defending the Second Amendment. And then... If you don't protect yourselves, who, who do you think is going to do okay, it Okay, so you? we've got birdcage on one end. Yeah, broke, broke back, back on, on the other end. 
where where would Modern Family be? Uh, where would closer Cam... to Brokeback. Oh, so he's there on that side. Those guys, yeah. Because yeah. they're out there shooting a the basketball, slapping each other on the show. Hey, buddy. You know, and all that. So that's what I, that would be my answer to Cory Booker. That would be the final question, I think, at my confirmation hearing as I was shown the door. So, side note. Or I would simply say, I'll show myself out. Watching Eric Stone Street at a, at a Dodgers game is the, is the great, if you're a Modern Family fan and seeing how he acts in the character as Cam and then to go see him at a Dodger game. They're not the same people. Yeah, they're two completely different people. And I have, I have, I've got relatives that are, think it's a complete aberration. And and you and I, you know, we know someone in common who used to work here, uh, used to produce me. Uh, he's Exhibit A of look, if, if, if you know this, this is just a guy living his life with a husband. Well, and the, the thing and, is, and I've never had a problem with it. Your attitude towards me, or my attitude to towards you, or towards Nick, or or anybody, it's it's not predicated on who it is that you go home yeah. to. You know, it's not. That's never been a thing. It's, we'd be we'd be a really good gay couple. Who you and I? We could be. We could play the bro card. You know, or we could go to a dance party. Are you asking me out on a date? I'm just saying it would. It, 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 it we would be that. We would be that quintessential sort of. Hey, look, we're we're middle of the road conservatives. We're going to go out and shoot up the hills. Really and like and have a job. couple shots of yeah. like uh, mountain whiskey. Yeah, my job's really fun. And then go dancing. Yeah. There. Uh, there Other, was, I just, I'm just saying, of all the shows here at KFI, I definitely think we would sell it. We would. It would work. Eric Eric Erickson uh, was wandering the aisles of a, a Safeway supermarket. Um, Accompanied by a Republican congressman uh, who appears regularly on Fox News, but but unnamed congressman. Eric Erickson is redstate.com. Yes. Um, Eric Erickson said that he was listening to this congressman vent about the current president. And apparently, I would have, apparently this happens all the time at a Safeway in and around the Washington, D.C. metropolitan area. But this unnamed congressman says, if we're going, quote, if we're going to lose because of him, we might as well impeach the MFR. <clears throat> the congressman did not want to be seen uh, on Capitol Hill with me, according to Eric Erickson, needless to say. Uh, he needed to get some stuff anyway, decided he'd let me walk with him through the cereal and dairy selections at the Safeway near my hotel. I bet it's not who we would think. Because no, a congressman that the first people we would think of would not be walking through a grocery store. No, those those who would have the I mean, there's you know 435 members of the House, uh, and however many was a two two thirty or whatever is uh, yeah Republicans. We're there's plenty that we don't know. I mean, we could see a list of names and we would recognize. 30, 40 of them possibly, but there's a bunch down at the bottom of that list that we're never going to know. I would imagine it's one of those guys. I think it's that guy who did his office like Downton Abbey. Zinklinger or whatever his name is. McLinger? Zinglinger. He was just uh, questioning Zuckerberg. Yeah, he's a total face man. He's one of those guys who likes to loudly swear so that you think he's all macho and alpha male. Kinzinger. Kinzinger. That's what it was. Yeah, because he's all F this and MF for that and the whole thing. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of which. Rahm Emanuel. Speaking of the house, uh, the... The uh, Speaker of the House, Paul Ryan, announced yesterday that he's not going to run for re-election, which is important because we have to talk about who it is that could be on the list for Speaker, including Brian's own representative. 
Kevin McCarthy. The Kevin McCarthy. That's coming up next. Swamp Watch will continue. Gary and Shannon with Brian Suits sitting in. She's a California One o'clock, Mark Remillard is going to join us. We're going to talk a little bit about some of the groundwork that's being laid for some sort of a coordinated military response. Uh, I just saw this not too long ago. While the White House is, I think the word they used is confident that it was some sort of chemical weapons that were used in that uh, that um, suburb of Damascus, the French government says it now has proof that it was uh, the Syrian government that carried out a chemical weapons attack that... Uh, the French president, Emmanuel Macron, said, we have proof that chemical weapons were used, at least with chlorine, and that they were used by the regime of Bashar al-Assad, although he didn't give any details specifically about the evidence. Uh, I would assume that they would do uh, what they could to share it with allies, including the United States. And, in fact, Secretary of Defense James Mattis has been at the White House for some time now. Uh, he and other members of the National Security Council have been there to talk with the president. Uh, of of course, they're talking about the season two of Westworld, but also what will happen in terms of uh, what appears to be an imminent attack on Syria. And then the the uh, two other metrics uh, going on here are the Russians have asked for an emergency meeting of the U.N. Security Council tomorrow so they can veto more stuff. But Macron in France, he had a come to Jesus meeting last night in Paris with his Ministry of Defense. And he said everyone... Come to Jesuit. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, uh, who Who's for bombing Syria? Raise your right hand. Who's for not? Get the hell out. So there was a shakeup in his in his uh, Air Force and his Ministry of Defense last night. And the French do a, a very odd thing here in America called accountability. When If they're in uniform and they disagree with something, they resign or they walk away. They don't do it and then later write a book and talk about how angry they were doing it. They He said, who's in? And uh, and if you were not in, you walked out. So that happened last night. We found out yesterday that uh, Paul Ryan was not going to run for re-election and will be, uh, you know, his days in January, early January will be his last days as Speaker of the House. I also saw a small headline that some members of the Republican caucus in the House want him out now. Just said, fine, if you're not going to play, we want you out now. That was my question. Is to what, why he's going to stick was, around? Well, wait a minute. I, I, I resign at in back in, in January. Well, so the guy has no skin in the game now. Right. So how is he going to get anything done? He's walking around saying, I really need you on this. I need your vote on this. I need your support. These guys are going to say, eat a bag of D's. Well, you're, you're gone. I got to get reelected, Broheim. That's where that's where Kevin McCarthy and Steve Scalise come into this. Kevin McCarthy being the House Majority Leader, second in command there in the House. He's and running he, for reelection, by the way. And he is. And he's happy God to say. let us know that. Uh, Steve Scalise also, as as Majority Whip, has some skin in the game, although the president did say he doesn't like his speakers of the House uh, having been shot in the hip, but that's his own thing. Uh, but I mean, You're talking about a lame duck speaker of the House. Yeah. There's no such thing. In my lifetime, there's been no such thing. You're either in or you're out. Yeah. You don't I mean, announce that you're out and then hang out for four months. You're supposed to be walking around months. saying, do you want that crappy corner office or do you want a good office and a good committee, uh, you know, assignment, the whole thing? And now he's walking around going, hey, how are the kids? It's, how's that hip, Steve? Well, I mean, the same thing happened with John Boehner. He was going to be forced out. They didn't even give him an opportunity to say, I'm going to retire and I'll see you in six months or I'm going to go have a, smoke a pack of Camel filterless and I'll see you later. 
they bounced him out and put Paul Ryan yeah. in his place. And Granted, speak, he was a compromised candidate at the point and didn't even want the job, but... Yeah, my congressman, Kevin McCarthy, is on Fox Live right now. Oh, and you can get a sample pack of catheters. That's not him. That's... that's uh, oh, like I said, they, they, were, they went to tape. But, oh. I mean, that's, that's just not how a, a parliament or a Congress works. The guy who's supposed to be whipping the votes of the majority, the, the Speaker of the House... He assigns the whip, the majority leader, the whole thing. The entire goal of this is to get legislation passed. And if you're not running for re-election, you shouldn't be in that job. I want to know if if the being in the um, the order of succession to the presidency, you know, obviously if something were to happen, but if that has any bearing on the decision by Kevin McCarthy, Steve Scalise, or anybody else who wants to run for speaker. Say question again. Would it, would that have any bearing? I mean, it, they, I know that they would oh, you understand like, the importance of it, but it, would it be a a feather in their cap? Say, like if Kevin McCarthy does a fundraiser at Bravery Brewing, right. Lancaster, exactly. and he says, "And I ain't saying nothing, but uh, somebody in this room might be the next Speaker of the House." Right. Winky, winky. Uh, I don't. I would if I were him, but he would. He doesn't have to. He can say, "Look, I'm the majority leader." Of the House, my fellow Republicans think that much of me. Um, you know, I you know, don't replace me with some uh, mail-in Democrat. I'm the guy. Let's let's do this. I think he's pretty, pretty good in his district. Now, if you compare the two of them, outside groups, outside conservative groups, look at their voting record and actually score Scalise just slightly higher than Kevin McCarthy when it comes to the conservative voting record. If in fact that's the way they're going to choose their next Speaker of the House, but again. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a private club called yep. the Republican Congress Club. They, the Republican we don't, Caucus. We don't vote for them. Yeah, they they get to. And as Steve Scalise says, "I took a bullet for this party." That's all he. Then he just drops just the say, mic. He just he just holds up the crutch. He's still using his crutch. Just holds that up. Yeah. Or he just says, pulls pulls down trousers, and he's like, "That hole, not that one. That hole is a bullet hole." I know, Mister Silver Fox, California Fresno Congressman, looks all good and hippie weed surfer and everything, but. Uh, I took a bullet. I took a round. <laughs> when we come back, Mark Ramillard's going to join us. We're going to be talking several, didn't he? Uh, at least one that went through and destroyed his pelvis. Yeah. I don't know how many he took, but I know at least a, a good shot or bad. You know what I mean? Effective. How's that? Um, a, we'll update what's going on with our interaction with Syria. Also, Mark Saltzman's going to join us, and then we have some good, strange science stories coming up next on Gary and Shannon. Hey, Shannon, Brian Suit sitting in for uh, vacationing. Shannon Barron. A little bit later, we're going to get into some uh, some strange science stories, including that green-haired turtle. First of all, we're going to have to get into why turtles have hair, uh, but but that's all coming up in our strange science stories. Also, Mark Saltzman is going to join us with Tech Talk in just a few minutes to recap a little bit about what happened with uh, Mark Zuckerberg in front of Congress, but also. Uh, Siri uh, getting iPhone is getting sorry Apple is getting their Siri to work better on your iPhone. So we'll talk all about that in just a few minutes. But yeah, I wouldn't know. I get rid of I unappled. You did? Yeah. 
I got, I got a, oh, you know what? I realized that yesterday when you texted me and I texted you back and it went green instead yeah, of Yeah, no, you have to hit rock bottom before you can ever get good. And I, I, got, I hit rock bottom <laughs> it just it fell apart before I went to, to rehab. Uh, Mark Remillard is joining us to talk about what's going on with uh, the United States and uh, allies and potential military action against Syria. Mark, what's going on? Well, we are still waiting to essentially see what uh, the response will be. Uh, President Trump, uh, Nikki Haley, the U.S. ambassador to the U.N., has certainly said that the U.S. Uh, is considering retaliatory action against Syria for the weekend chemical, uh, alleged chemical weapons attack, uh, apparently is coordinating with the U.K. and France to jointly respond, potentially. Uh, and meanwhile, Russia is denying that there ever was a chemical attack, and Syria is saying that it wasn't our fault. So you have a lot of different factions who are all kind of pointing the fingers at each other and we're essentially in a holding pattern to find out exactly what will happen what what do we know about the the potential proof i understand that uh, the french president has said he has proof we have a couple of u.s officials who say that they were confident in intelligence that this was in fact a nerve agent or chlorine or both i mean what is it going to take for us to say we're completely confident that this is what happened that is about what we know so far. You're right. The uh, Some U.S. intelligence force, uh, sources essentially saying that there appears to have been a, a chemical attack and possibly the use of chlorine. Uh, and then France's president, Emmanuel Macron, basically said that he does have proof, though he did not provide any sources as to what that proof was, how he knows uh, that it was a chlorine attack, according to him, and that it was responsible by Assad. Uh, but the, uh, U- the U.K. cabinet has come together to agree that they believe it's highly likely that there was a chemical attack and that they believe that Assad, given his history and use of chemical weapons in the past, uh, was responsible for this. So we may not ever have this concrete um, piece of evidence that says, yes, we know that this bomb came from, uh, you know, the Syrian government or not, but it may be enough for these governments to say there's a high degree of likeliness that it did. What we do know is that there is a fact-finding mission on its way to Syria uh, at, at this moment, the organization for the prohibition of chemical weapons is sending a fact-finding team there. Uh, they say that they expect to get up and running on Saturday, and they'll look to get concrete evidence uh, that that uh, some kind of chemical weapon attack did, in fact, occur. Yes. Are they confident that the Assad regime will cooperate fully with them there? <laughs> Well, uh, you know, the other day, uh, the, the Assad regime said, you know, it welcomed the fact-finding mission, and they are allowing them to come into the country uh, and do this. Uh, but, you know, the, the city right now, this is the interesting thing, is this weapons attack occurred in a city that's completely surrounded and controlled by the Syrian government and Russian forces. So you have to wonder, how else would this have occurred? Yeah, and, there, and the, 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 what the French have, are they've got electronic intelligence because everybody in the Syrian Arab army and the Russians in Syria... They do all their command and control on cell phones. And while while it's the worst operational security you can ever do, it's really easy. So they do that. And they're all being hoovered up. It's all being listened to. If it's not the Israelis, it's us or it's the French. So they, they will have conversations possibly going even up to Assad uh, with his voice uh, authorizing yeah. the use of chemical weapons. And if you're if having anyone that cares. kind of communications, yeah, if you're having that kind of communication, then uh, maybe that's uh, exactly how they can determine these things. I don't know the specifics of uh, how the intelligence gathering has been coordinated so far to determine this, but uh, it does appear that certainly from some of the video, at least what we've seen publicly, some of the video, the uh, horrific images that we've seen out of there, uh, that we can tell that something has occurred, obviously, and the belief is that it's a chemical weapons attack. And given the history of Assad's 
regime. Uh, it doesn't seem that unlikely that uh, this is a possibility that he may have been responsible for this. We're talking with Mark Remillard about what's going on in our, the United States and allied preparations for some sort of a military strike, it appears, against, uh, uh, against Syria. Um, what do we know about the president's schedule? Obviously, he canceled his trip to South America, sent Mike Pence or will send Mike Pence in his place. But uh, in terms of the next couple of days, any big events that uh, maybe he's canceled or, or other things that he's taken off the schedule to give us an idea of what the timing might look like? I have not seen his schedule over the coming days, but you're right. He did cancel that trip to give himself the option to stay in Washington and discuss the response to this. Uh, we understand that the president has been on the phone with the, the U.K.'s prime minister, the French president, uh, on a daily basis. We also understand that this hotline uh, between the U.S. and Russia is also open and active. And there's, there was this line that was created between both of our countries uh, to coordinate efforts in Syria so that they would not be overstepping each other or uh, crossing into fire and things like that should something occur. Uh, the Kremlin said today that that line is open, uh, and so we don't know how exactly how much communication has occurred between the two, uh, but we know that there is a wealth of communication that's going on, and this is why I think we've seen uh, now several days lapse between this alleged attack and any response. We haven't seen response yet versus what we saw a year ago uh, in April last year after this attack was a pretty swift response from the U.S., Plus, you add in the fact that it appears President Trump is more willing to say, let's coordinate with the U.K. and France. That This is not just uh, the American response here. This may be a coalition response. Um, well, what I have is uh, just between me and Gary. So I don't, I, don't, I don't want to put you in danger, Mark, but you can listen in if you want. Okay. I have a source that says that a, one of the a corpse of one of the casualties – from the city of Duma was uh, was removed from Duma and it was put in a hazmat container and it was medevaced out to an American special forces base in Jordan and it's now in a NATO facility in Europe and that NATO uh, is going to offer independent forensic experts to examine the body for cause of death. That's that's going to be a slam dunk uh, and there's a chain of custody when it goes from video still photos proving that, yes, yea, verily, this individual was, was killed last Saturday, you know, whatever. That, 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 uh, that, that's something, if you want concrete evidence, the United States can say to the Security Council, well, we, we have evidence for you. Is that hours away? I, uh, I don't know. But, but evidently that this was, a, this was a, something that occurred three nights ago, and that, uh, that the, 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 the piece of this is that it winds up in, at a NATO facility in, in Brussels or, or in, in Belgium, yeah. which is Brussels in And just to add to that, the reports that we've been seeing about the process of possibly determining a chemical weapons attack, you talk about uh, the collection of, of bodies. Uh, they will look for things like urine and blood samples that will test positive for some of these chemicals, and that may be how they concretely determine, obviously, that a weapons, a chemical weapons attack had occurred. Now then the question is, how do you assign the blame, and how do you tie that to either the Assad, uh, Assad regime or some of the many factions that are in Syria fighting right now? And this is in response to the pushback from last year was, well, we never even found out who, who dropped the camps, who, dropped, who slimed uh, that, that city last year, and, and it's become a conspiracy theory that it was a self-inflicted wound by the terrorists, by the rebels, you know, whatever. And so uh, somebody, 
um, in, in, in some government decided, you know what, this time let's treat it like a criminal case. Let's be careful. All right, Mark, thank you so much. Thank you. Mark Remillard there with some of the latest. I wanted to update you just quickly on one of the stories. Um, I, I know you've covered this before on your show, and you talked with Handel about it a couple of times. Uh, CIA Director Mike Pompeo is uh, on Capitol Hill being uh, grilled by the Senate for his confirmation to become Secretary of State. If you remember, there was an air assault that was carried out by U.S.-backed forces in Syria in February. And the death toll then of Russian fighters was in the dozens, at least officially. He, in front of everyone today, said it was a couple hundred Russians who were, in fact. It's a a very badly kept secret. A bunch of Russian mercenaries uh, attempted on the ground with a bunch of Syrian Arab army guys uh, to assault the American base at Deir Ezzor, which is just on the east side of the the, uh, Euphrates. And they were mauled badly for 12 hours by American air power. By the way... We just all all the all the American special operations guys and Marine artillery guys, all they know is we're being attacked. We don't know who. Uh, maybe it's uh, the Free Syrian Army. Maybe it's Al Qaeda. But they thought it was the Syrian Army, and so they they used artillery and AC-130 air support. And the the Russians were calling their girlfriends back home in the middle of this, saying they weren't going to make it home. They were wounded. They were dying, bleeding out. And by the Russian uh, accounts on their own version of Facebook, which is uh, the the contact of VK for contact, they were estimating 200 dead uh, in open source. They were talking about it. And Putin, this is something that Putin, the reason he sends mercenaries there is for deniability. That's why he hasn't made it a thing like, hey, you killed 200 Russians. If he says that, he has to admit that he's sending mercenaries to do the fighting in Syria. But that happened. It, it, like I say, besides my show, I don't know anyone else has ever talked about it. No. The American media, but we killed for the first time. And think about it. This is since the end of, of the Korean War when we were fighting Russians in MIGs. This is the first ground conflict we've ever had with Russia. And that's why I think part of the calculus of deciding what to do going into this, whatever military action's about to happen, that's part of the calculus, yeah. is it not? All right. Uh, your chance to win $1,000 coming up brought to you by Cunning Dental. If you got some nasty mouth, call Cunning Dental for a free exam. Triple eight six forty smile will tell you how to win just a second. It's time for some tech talk. The machines are getting smarter. This is Tech Talk, brought to you by Skynet. And for that, we are joined by Mark Saltzman. Joining us on the line, you can follow Mark's stuff uh, at Mark with a C, uh, underscore Saltzman on Twitter. You can find him online, Facebook as well, Mark Saltzman. Mark, uh, we go from Mark Remillard to Mark Saltzman. But, Mark, we're going to talk about another Mark, Mark Zuckerberg, who uh, <laughs> spent right. a couple of very awkward, uncomfortable days on uh, on Capitol Hill. The first question is, which operating system do you think he's working on? Because there were a couple of obvious glitches that need to be fixed in his water drinking uh, programs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this uh, Zuckerberg, 10 hours in the hot seat. Uh, in front of Congress. That was uh, tough to watch, and I can only imagine what it was like for him. But, you know, hey, if you ask uh, Wall Wall Street, he did quite well. The stock is up 4.5% since uh, trading began Tuesday morning, which means, by the way, Zuckerberg made $3 billion sitting in that chair over the last two days. Between the Senate and then the next day, the House, (laughs) as as when he didn't melt... In the first hour, the stock price started going up. He, he's the brand. That's $3,000 million we don't, that he made by we sitting don't. there in front of the House and the <laughs> Congress. So he did okay. I mean, look, <laughs> depending on whom you ask, there were some questions he dodged. 
whether he purposely dodged them or he didn't know the answer. But the bottom line is, is this, in case you haven't been following and your listeners like, what's going on? Well, we all know about this Cambridge Analytica data breach that was uh, revealed a few, few weeks ago where, you know, almost 90 million Facebook accounts uh, were leaked with personal information about, uh, about many of us. So the bottom line is this, Zuckerberg conceded. It's clear we didn't do enough. That was exactly his phrase about the protection of private user data and the prevention of this hijacking of, of millions of users by the political firm Cambridge Analytica. And so he a- agreed and admitted we need and will do more. He said by the end of the year, Facebook will have about 20,000 people working on security and content review to step up uh, you know, fake accounts and weed them out before they, they dish them out over Facebook. So, and then one other thing we could look forward to uh, for stricter privacy controls is um, in May in Europe, Facebook will be, they have to adopt what's called the GDPR. You may have heard that. It's an acronym for General Data Protection, Protection Regulation. The bottom line is that it has much stricter uh, regulation and rules for privacy that the U.S. says they will adopt in some way, shape, or form in the U.S. as well. So they're implementing the GDPR standards for European users next month, and then many of those rules should be extended uh, here stateside uh, by the end of the year. So if you're concerned about Facebook, no one's holding a gun to your head. You can log off, and that's that. If you want to stay, just know that the privacy controls are going to get easier to understand as a user, because even Zuckerberg said he he knows that people don't understand or read them, uh, and it should get better. But nothing is 100%, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, you know, WhatsApp, whatever. We're, you always know that there's a chance your data could be breached. Well, you, we made fun of the fact that it was almost frightening to hear how little these uh, these legislators knew about <laughs> what Facebook is and does. Yeah, and, some and, of those and, questions, like what? Do yeah, you how know do you what Facebook is? Orrin Hatch asked uh, asked Mark Zuckerberg, "How do you how do you stay open if you don't charge for your service?" <laughs> and I mean, that was the most awkward. That was the first day. That was awkward because then Mark Zuckerberg almost. I, that's when the the humor slash sarcasm filter in his head started smoking because he he wasn't sure if it was a joke or not. And, and, yeah, and, yeah. and it, it was it was a perceptible two second pause. And I know if it, if it had been me, I would have hit it out of the park with sarcasm. But he said, "Senator, we sell ads." <laughs> and uh, Orrin Hatch yeah. looked at him like, "Oh, that's right." Yeah, you could see him <laughs> biting his lip. Smirk. I mean, it's like are, he, he was probably thinking, "Are you for freaking real here?" Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we sell ads and that, and then they get the advertisers. So the I think that the Wall Street, which a lot of people are looking, you know, whether you're an investor or not, and you want to know about the future of the service, the analysts and and including the Wall Street experts believe that there won't be much of a way of a user or advertiser fallout for Facebook. That's the bottom line. You know, you don't want to be there. I hear you. You can go elsewhere, but keep in mind, Facebook also owns Instagram and WhatsApp, or you can go somewhere else. Uh, but just know that your your privacy is is a big question mark. I'm, in fact, I'm writing an article right now for USA Today that should drop on the weekend about Netflix. What are we sharing with Netflix? And I wrote one last week about Amazon. Did you know that everything you talk to Alexa about is stored by Amazon? You can delete it. But, you know, you ask, you know, what was the score of the Lakers game in 2016? That's there for you to listen to. Tapes all your searches. And, and, yeah. and the recording of you doing it. Yeah. See, and my Crazy. suggestion was that Facebook should do a day without data, and they should just fire hose every random ad that you have no interest in on your mm-hmm. feed and let you see what it would look like when it's not uh, uh, when it's not tailored to you. Because I like that Netflix puts in front of me things 
that I never would have found if I'd searched. All the documentaries alphabetically, but it, it sees what I'm watching, and it will mm-hmm. shoot things out there that will take me down the binge hole. Right, because that's relevant to you, and that's smart. They're using artificial intelligence to see what you're watching. If you, and if you I dig, consented. I, knew, yeah, I know and what that's they're fine. doing. Right, 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 right. And they actually, in their defense, Netflix actually has a lot of transparency with their privacy uh, regulations. So I, I went through, I combed through all this uh, in order to write the article. It's, it's remarkably clear, um, you know, what they market to you, and they do not sell or allow third-party ads within Netflix. It is a bit of a, a, a gated community there. So yeah, I mean, but just know whatever you do online, just that's that's how it goes. Just know that you're giving something, and 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 free is really not free. You're giving your data, which is very valuable. We're talking with Mark Saltzman, tech columnist for USA Today. We'll talk about the latest column that you had, not the one coming out this weekend, but this one about Siri in just a second. First, mm-hmm. we have a thousand dollars to give away. Here's how you can win. Your shot at one thousand dollars now. Text the keyword cash to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's cash to 200-200. And it's just the high techness is what we're talking about. you got to answer the phone, even if it's from a number that you do not recognize. But your next chance to win will be next hour during the John and Ken Show, all the way through that first hour of the Conway Show, picking up again tomorrow at 5 in the morning with Jonesy and Wake Up Call and, of course, through the Handle Show. All right. What do you think about this business plan, KFI's Gary? Yes. Um, if you join my social network, I will give you 1% of my ad revenue if you allow me access to your data. Well, how, how, which concentric circle of data are you looking at? Just like Bookface. Your friends and your friends' friends and what you click on, the whole thing. If you let me have access to that, I'll give you 1%. Of the ads that you're seeing in front of you. Yes, as long as you don't put a requirement on me that I have to have so many interactions throughout the course of a no, month. But I mean, see, like Mark Salzman I, I, from Newsweek, I, this is, I, I would say yes to that. I would opt in and go, okay, give me a piece of my own action. Gary, you would sell us out, Brian, really? Well, <laughs> I, I'm a friend of Gary's on Twitter, I know. <laughs> well, You'd sell the, me out for a couple I, bucks? No. <laughs> I know what information I have shared with Facebook, for the most part, having I'm especially yeah. since doing this story for the last couple of days, both Brian and I downloaded that information that they made available to us. Didn't mm-hmm. know that. You could download everything you've ever put up, your videos, every comments, photos, it's everything. Big, big 400 file. megs. What was yours? <laughs> it's a big My, file. Mine, mine was 408 megs. Mine was about half that. Zip. Um... <laughs> But it, but it's one of those things where as long as I don't have – as long as I know what I'm doing and signing up for and you're not going to ask things of me other than what I would voluntarily put up there, then absolutely. That's not Herbalife. I just mean like, <laughs> hey, here's an interesting – but I, I, I but for the ads they put in front of me and I gave them the data to drive those ads to me, just give me 1% of what you're making off my data. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, crowd, a good idea. crowdsourcing the funding and, and crowdsourcing the information. All right. Uh, I saw a funny, funny situation on Tuesday, Monday night, where a little girl was screaming into her phone. Tell me the world's best baseball player of the world ever. <laughs> world baseball. And the phone kept saying, I don't quite understand. And Siri yeah. was just getting frustrated. Madison Bumgarner. How do you <laughs> how do you get? Siri and uh, to to work better for you, right? So this is the the article you were referencing that I wrote uh, April six for USA Today, uh, and it was in the paper itself. Uh, so that was usatoday.com, and then the paper yesterday had it. People still read the paper, and they call it the paper. Um, so no yeah, more lies. so. It, 
<laughs> Do you? Yeah. So, I mean, the, there's um, the, the article was sort of broken into two parts. One was how to get more out of Siri, which is talk clearer and enunciate nice and clearly. So screaming into your phone is not going to help. You could, <laughs> even if you're in a noisy environment. It's not a foreigner. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so I gave some tips about how to best talk to her quote unquote. Uh, and then the other piece, uh, the other part of the article was on uh, little things you probably didn't know Siri can do that could really make your life a lot easier. So I mean, so for the first part, it, it's really sort of just common sense. You, you can talk fast, but you got to talk clear. And if you're going to dictate uh, text messages and emails, you have to say pr- pronunciation like period, comma, exclamation mark, question mark. Otherwise, Siri is not going to add that in for you. Um, you know, so if you are in a noisy environment, you can hold the phone and should hold the phone or smartwatch closer to your mouth. Uh, this is all basic stuff that I covered with a couple of extra tips. On the tips side, on um, on some things you might not know. So one is uh, a lot of people know that you can ask Siri to remind you about something by time. Like, you know, at 9 a.m. tomorrow, remind me to call mom, that kind of thing. But you could also set up reminders by location, which is which is convenient. You could say, when I get home, remind me to call mom. And so, and it knows where home is because you've set up a, a section for yourself in the contacts, uh, contacts section. So 123 Smith Street, you know, it knows that when you pull into the driveway that uh, you're, you're going to get notified. Or you could say, when I leave here, remind me to get gas. Or remind me where I parked when I come back to my car. That kind of thing. You can ask Siri to let you know things by location, not just by time. So that's a very convenient feature that I shared. Another one was when I hear people use Siri to send an email, the conversation usually goes something like this. It'll be something like, email Gary. And then it'll say, okay, what's... And then Siri will say, what's the subject? And then you say, you know, gossip about Brian. Okay, and then Siri will say, all right, what's the body of the message? And this is sort of like the back and forth that you could expect. But you can save a lot of time by saying something like um, to Siri. You activate Siri, of course, by either saying, hey, Siri, or pressing on the home button. And you could say, send an email to Gary about Brian and say he's going to ask you about this during the show today. So by saying send the message to Gary, it knows that uh, it's going to put your your name in the to field. Uh, when you say about Brian, it's going to put Brian in the subject line. And then when you say, uh, uh, you know, and, and uh, whatever I said about the body of the message, it'll be all in the body of the email. So you can do that all in one fell swoop and save yourself some time. That's pretty cool, huh? That is a very cool tip. I didn't realize that yeah. it would uh, di- distinguish that information just on just one sentence. Yes. You could even say email Gary and Shannon about Brian and say, I've got some stuff to tell you today during our shift. And it'll put both you and Shannon's email address in the two fields, hey, which tell, is neat. Tell me about your, your podcast that's now available for us. Yeah. So I uh, host a weekly radio show and podcast called Tech It Out. It is meant to not just uh, celebrate technology, but to help demystify it. You know, my catchphrase is that I try to break down geek speak into street speak. And I am beyond thrilled that on the KFI website, you can now subscribe to the podcast. So it's a 40-minute ad-free podcast under the Squadcast banner. So you go to KFI's website. At the top, it says Squadcasts and Features, and I am the top one, and it says Tech It Out with Mark Saltzman. So you can subscribe uh, to, I think it's through iHeartRadio. And then um, on demand, every weekend, you're going to get a new podcast. So Awesome. Yeah. I can, mm-hmm. I can, so stoked. I can help you get 5,000 new listeners right now. <laughs> By giving my everyone, data. Everyone away. be quiet. Alexa, add Tech It Out to my downloads. You're welcome. 
Oh, you're bad. That's, <laughs> Don't that's, show that's, myself that's... out. <laughs> Mark, thank you very much. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Mark Saltzman there. And again, you can follow him on Twitter and other places. Mark with a C. Mark underscore Saltzman on Twitter. And then just look up Mark Saltzman in some other places. You can follow all his stuff. Uh, some good, strange uh, science stories when we come back. And an update on this latest story going around about the president. Tabloidy stuff. Gary and Shannon will continue. Brian Suits sitting in. I Suits is sitting in today. Uh, tomorrow as well, right? Tomorrow? Yeah. Okay. Why broad eggs? For your wife, so that, <laughs> that buys a Friday. Uh, then I have to give my Governor of Missouri update from an inside man before we're done. Oh, that's right. So if you didn't hear the first hour, we were talking about the Missouri Governor Mark Mark, Mark Greitens. Um, Greitens. He, uh, the, the latest version of this story. It really didn't add a whole lot, just some of the more salacious details about an affair that he had with uh, his former hairdresser, I believe it was, where he got violent, forced her to do sex acts, etc., and will go on trial, in fact, for those next month. The legislative committee came out with their version of a report that had some of the most graphic descriptions of of the the acts that he was accused of perpetrating upon not not a sensitive lover no that's one way to put it um it's absolutely unreadable in terms of whether or not we could bring it to you on the air so i i I texted uh someone who is in a position to directly know about mark greiton's time as a navy seal officer the answer i got back two hours ago was quote total effing turd Never led a SEAL platoon, but wrote four books on SEAL leadership. Can't read that. Can't read that. Let's catch up by phone later. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, he's I he's being called on by everyone, basically, in the Missouri legislature to step down. Every elected statewide office is. And the commission that found all this stuff out was was led by and filled with Republicans. See, I told you it was a political witch hunt. Yeah, oh, it's a witch hunt. <laughs> well, it's, you're being hunted by other witches. Um, when um, you don't weigh as much as a duck. We, we also started. We also started the show. Uh, man, we need more Monty Python references. <laughs> uh, we started the show referring to the meetings that were going to be going on today about our reaction, military reaction to Syria, if anything, because of the president's tweet this morning where he said he wasn't going to tip his hand, even though he tipped his hand. And we just found out that the meeting that was taking place, the national security team that had gathered at the White House, that meeting is now over. But in terms of any official announcement, we haven't heard anything from the White House. And the word on the street, the inside information I have is that the Syrian Ministry of Defense in Damascus is emptying out. It's being laid out there as a sacrificial lamb. Uh, the, the the British are going to have minimal interaction, but they will have a target, and they'll hit the target, and Assad will have learned a lesson. And then this is all effectively happening at a very high level between Russia and the United States, that we're telling them we're going to hit a target. So they're saying which ones will empty them of Russians. And one of them is in the middle of Damascus because this has to be – Assad has to hear these explosions – this time. So the Ministry of Defense is being put up on the block. This won't be some country bumpkin airfield somewhere yeah, like last year. That you can deny. Well, that. is there a possibility that we, being the United States, don't launch anything and this is all France and Britain that use their missiles? No, zero. 
In fact, at this point, we should just ask Assad, can we just fly a demo team in there and they can just collapse the building, just blow the building and save us a couple hundred million dollars? Much, much cheaper. Uh, All right. Let's get. Oh, I wanted to do one more thing before we get into our strange science stories. One of the stories that's going around uh, today is that there was yet another payment that went out to spike a story about President Trump. This one. Listen. Believe Radar Online if you want to. They have been right on some of these stories. The president is now accused of, while he was a can, while he was a, just a businessman, fathering a secret love child with a Trump Organization employee. The thirty thousand dollar payment was supposedly made to a doorman at one of the Trump properties who knew of the story. They bought a rumor. They bought a rumor. They bought the rights to a rumor. And according to the National Enquirer, they sat on it um, in early 2016, the early stages of the campaign. They sat on the story because they were afraid that if they searched too far into it, the contacts that they had would have gone straight to then-candidate Trump. Uh, The woman who is supposedly the mother is a, Radar Online's words here, a gorgeous 29-year-old medical graduate who is currently living in... Wild, wild stab, huge Cali- boobs, blonde hair. California. Really? Yeah. So. A little, with a if, little a baby with a comb over. If you're listening. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. His kids are very yeah. particular in terms of their look. Boy, so. that third grader has some chiclets for teeth. What uh, the heck? That third baseman. But I mean, okay, but let's, let's, let's think about it. He was elected president after he was caught on audio tape with right. Billy Bush. Yes. Describing. What part of a woman's body to grab because you're a celebrity and they allow you to do it? He still got elected. We we know he hasn't had a loan from an American bank since 2000. People know that. Now we know he had an affair with a porn star, in, which interrupted the affair he was having with the Playmate of the Year right after his wife had his son a month yeah. later. All of these established. But but the big kicker, the, the, the straw that breaks the camel's back is going to be that he had a kid out of wedlock. You know, go ahead – and chase that down. <laughs> Just absolutely go ahead because he made that prediction that he could shoot somebody on Madison Avenue. And, and evidently, people laughed at the time. Right. Because it was so outrageous. Yeah. You're going to get him reelected or more. And now you're Sorry. just asking which caliber weapon would he use. Yeah. Uh, and you, in you, that... you, you think you're shocking Iowa with this? Well, I, Iowa, remember, it. Iowans are just like Californians. Yeah, they're just, or, I'm sorry. Angelina, Iowans are just like Angelinos. City of the Angels. Um, no, sorry. The people that voted for Trump, you keep throwing this stuff at the wall. You're thinking that they're going to have some epiphany. We're past epiphany town. We missed that exit. We're now in full acceptance. Oh. You're, he's going to be reelected flat out. Full Speak, stop. Speaking of which, my wife received a, a Facebook message from somebody. Uh, it was one of those cut and paste share kind of things, but it was. About that pr- pedophile ring in at the pizzeria? <laughs> Close. It was. Pray for Donald Trump because he's under attack from the evil one. Voldemort? Mm, kind of. Kind There's of. something more evil than Voldemort? Uh, the, I don't dev, mind. the devil? I don't mind praying for the president. Louis that's, Cipher? That's who I'm going to pray for, the president. Uh, anyway, we'll come back. We'll talk about science stuff because we have a couple of good science stories we've got to get to, including, you know those hand dryers that you have at Dodger Stadium? The ones where you, you don't touch them, but you just go... The, the Dyson you, ones? Yes. Well, I'm sorry. Be careful. I I got news for you. Those are urinals. They spray pee all over. (laughs) You're doing it wrong. Oh. Instructions on how to use them and also a caution on how to use them when we come back to the Gary and Shannon Show. Brian Suit sitting in for Shannon today. I'm going to leave it all out there. 
Brian Suit sitting in today. Got some uh, some funny, uh, odd science stories here to tell you about. Strange science. It's like weird science, but strange. All right. We've got weird animals in this world, right? And for the most part, the vast majority of us don't have much exposure to things outside of birds and cats and dogs, maybe a few farm animals, depending on on where you went to college. But something called the Mary River turtle uh, has been added to the endangered species list. It is a... It has green, Mohican, fleshy, finger-like growths under its chin and can breathe through its genitals. Thank you. 40-centimeter-long 40, 40 <laughs> turtle found Go, only... look at my genitals. That's a trick. Found only on the Mary River in Queensland features uh, in the new list of the most vulnerable reptile species compiled by the Zoological Society of London. Mary, okay, Mary River turtle, wow! It, it looks actually like a uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle... The mohawk, yeah, it actually has a tuft of green, fleshy, finger-like growths. And People Magazine calls it the butt breather. Well, <laughs> you're calling it the well. This is Johnson breather. Yeah, maybe maybe there's just uh, less distinction between uh, orify. And it uh, looks more like a turtle. dinosaur than a turtle, but uh, that's. That's, all kinds of wacky stuff lives in uh, Australia and New Zealand. Uh, best color of glass for your beer. Do you know the, what color bottle it should be? Amber, right? Uh, yeah, brown is brown is by far the best, but they're saying that even uh, aluminum cans, we're seeing a lot of people brewing beer and putting them, or I should say again, brewing it in and putting it in cans. For one thing, delivering a 12-pack of cans is lighter than a 12-pack of, of uh, bottles. Yeah, but aren't cans are better because no light can get in there, right? And that they're even better because no light can get in. Yeah. Uh, they're saying that the me- the methylbutene thiol is a compound that's formed when some beer is exposed to light and can cause that skunk face nastiness that you taste in some beer. When it begins to smell and taste off, uh, it's usually because it's in a clear or green bottle and it can become light struck. That's why I like Moosehead because they just gave up. It already smells like that. That's why they, they open that Canadian they put beer. It in there. Yeah, it's like, just give it up. It smells like a moose. Uh, so brown bottles are the best, but by far the best is going to be an aluminum can, uh, a can that would protect it from light the entire way. Um, the first, you said this, uh, Egyptians started brewing beer, it looks like, 5,000 B.C., according to papyrus scrolls, brewing things like dates, pomegranates, and other indigenous herbs. Yeah, it was, it was one, of, it's one of the big dividing lines in civilizations. You know, Europeans... Uh, Saharan Africans, Middle East, uh, India, that ma- mankind began brewing the fermented grains about ten to 5,000 years ago. And, and in our evolution, you know, we, we, can pro- we have enzymes that can break down alcohol. We call it a hangover. There are specifically like Native Americans in North America. That's why they and, – and especially Inuits uh, and, and, uh, and uh, Yupiks or what, what people call Eskimos – in Alaska, they don't have those enzymes. That's why one beer, and they are blotto. Like in Alaska, literally, uh, you, you a store cannot sell alcohol to a Yupik or an Inuit. And and then, you know, my friends growing up, Native American, Hoquiams and Ozettes, they, they could not drink. It's just, I mean, literally three beers might poison them. But we have uh, Middle East, India, 
Asia and Europeans, we have enzymes that break alcohol down. Thank goodness. That's how long it's been around. Uh, and then finally, this uh, this study published by the University of Connecticut, a study that confirmed that hand dryers can draw in potentially infectious microbes and then spread them when activated. These are the hand dryers that you see. Specifically, I think Dyson is the brand that makes them. I assume yeah. that other companies would make them like it. But imagine uh, just an open space where you dip your hands, you know, you put your hands uh, perpendicular to the floor and you dip them down and the fan comes on and a very thin uh, jet of air is designed to blow the water or whatever you have on there off of uh, off of your hands until they're dry. But I see people who don't understand how to use it effing it up all the time. The way it works is you just wash your hands, you stick them in sideways, and you pull them straight up. Sideways, straight up. Sideways, oh, straight up. By I the third time. I would go I would go finger no. first. Down and then. You're spraying pee all over your up. face. Now, that's what people do, and it annoys the crap out of me. And because it says right on there, put your hands into the side, lift them straight up. If you do that three times, your your hands are bone dry. But uh, people are sitting there just going in, out, in, out, in, out, in, out. That's so stupid. Why not pee in the thing? I mean. You just make sure you close your mouth when you do it, I think, is probably the best way to do it. Uh, it seems like a good idea in theory. They're saying these hand dryers will increase the spread of bacteria on skin and clothing uh, because the stuff that's on your hands, fecal material and bacteria, on your hands, once it gets sprayed, basically just gets splashed about. So if you're in a bathroom at, say, Dodger Stadium with one of these things in there, not only do you not have the benefit of water flushing down your uh, water part stuff, uh, you're going to get all of your, you know, excess all over the place. Yeah, it's disgusting. And then I see people here use the bathroom. No, and we're go, not going to talk about this. Go number one, it, not wash their hands, uh, and then grab the handle to open the door. And then, yeah, I got, I got and then at come once. into our office and, and stick their hand in the candy bag. Okay, a bag of candy. And I say, you know what? It's time to throw the candy away. And Blake says... Nobody gets in between me and my jelly beans. And then those people walk down the hall and do an afternoon show on a sports station. But, I mean, the deal is, <laughs> my, my, my thing is, because um, I got looked at once because I took a, a towel and I grabbed the bathroom handle on the inside to, to get out, like, like Howard Hughes. But it's because I just saw somebody in socks standing in pee by the urinal. Wait, no, no. Please tell me that that's not real. Not wash their hands. In and they grab socks? That, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. That grosses me out. I mean, I get it. Men dribble, but keep your shoes on. But standing in socks in there. And then uh, oh then great sports talk. <laughs> so, and so, the, I, so I used a towel to grab. I'm not going to wash my hands and grab the handle and get that all over my hands. Uh, I just I feel like I've hit the lottery when someone is coming in just as I'm I'm wrapping up my cleanliness uh, so that I don't have to touch anything. Yeah. They, hold, they hold the door open for me as I walk out. Yeah. Yet, yet I'm about to go down the hall and, like, give them a big hug. <laughs> You know, with the so with, who's with towels in your hand? Who's the hypocrite? Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, John and Ken coming up next. Gary and Shannon with Brian Suits uh, continuing tomorrow. We'll see you tomorrow. Stay dry, everybody. Did you have an awesome time? Did you drink awesome shooters and listen to Gary and Shannon? And then just sit around and soak up each other's awesomeness.